on Anything Goes. I've seen a, I've seen a couple of black booties where I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Me yeah. too. That, it is I'm a completely straight girl real, and I see yeah. one sometimes and I'm like, oh my God, yeah. that is amazing. Like, I've, that is I've, something totally I've never been amazing. with a black woman, but I also I don't feel like that. I don't have that in me to be like, I got to accomplish that before. Oh, I... I'm not. Yeah, I'm not collecting pelts here. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not a hunter, <laughs> yeah. but right. I just, you know, I don't know. I think I just like black skin because it hides perfect imperfections oh right yeah. and so and they're full of imperfections i'm a white guy chicks. i'm a white guy who who looks at all the imperfections on my skin and if i was you know a hundred <laughs> shades darker and it was all gone you know it's just one smooth layer of chocolate frosting um now one thing um that uh, I've, I've seen you do your your quest for black booty uh joke on stage mm. and i've seen other black women uh in the audience and black dudes Black dudes, I, I haven't found like they would get their back up being like, hey, who's this guy wanting wanting what we, what what's ours? Yeah. Uh, but I, I do see like a lot of uh, black women embrace that. And have you ever had a black woman come up to you after a show just being like. Oh, yeah. Have you I'll, ever been hit on by a black chick after you I'll, do I'll that make, I'll make you my fuck stick. Specific, no, not to the extent where I was, where I was like, oh, this is going down. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, not that much. No, I've gotten like. Would you be worried? Because it's sort of like, oh, that's, hey, honey, that's just a joke I do on stage. I don't really. Yeah, no, I think they're almost like, they'll come up to me and they'll kind of smile a little bit, like, but then I think they're afraid to engage too much because they might have taken it too seriously yeah. or they're afraid to create some sort of awkward moment. Because I've had girls where I've flirted with them and sort of in, I've been comfortable with the fact that it's never going to go anywhere. But then one of them was once like, uh, but maybe you would feel much better if I fucked you. Oh, I was wow. Like, I was like, holy shit. I didn't think that's, well, I, I was like genuinely speechless and like kind of like I, I just referred it back to this like eight-year-old kid who was like, oh, I, I, don't, I, I don't really like roller coasters. You know, it was <laughs> yeah. like one of those moments of like, I didn't think this would actually be like, happen. That woman didn't sound very black to me. No, <laughs> no, she wasn't black. She Russian? I, I, Eastern we don't, we, European. We don't know where she's from. Yeah. Victoria, where are you? She's not supposed to see. Okay. To me, uh, though, that's the win. Yeah? Not actually having sex. The part where she's like, I would have sex with you. You're like, okay. Yeah, sometimes, Done. sometimes Game. you're like, you know what? That's enough. Call it there. That's enough. I don't yeah. need that. I just it's, Sometimes it's a matter of just knowing that it could happen. Oh, I, mean, I don't believe that from either one of you guys. I'm really? not lie. No! What's the point of wanting to have sex unless you have sex? Uh, I think sometimes it's just a matter of knowing that happening. I could. Oh, okay. If I knew I could bench press 300 pounds without actually doing it, that's good enough. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That'd be like me being at the bar. I'd be like, oh, you want to buy me a drink? Oh, well, it's good to know that you would buy me a drink, but I'm going to buy my own drink. You, like that would fucking should, ever you should, happen. You should try that once or twice. <laughs> remember how you got home. <laughs> and now, let's get to a new exciting show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? Like the pillow, it's going in dry. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? And Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. Can you dig it? Hey there, everybody. Everybody listening, this is Anything Goes for the week of July 10th. 
2013. My name's Dave Martin. We're coming here from the uh, Water Soak Studios of, uh, of uh, XM uh, Radio here in the heart of downtown Toronto. Uh, it is a monsoon, or as Darren Frost referred to it, as a war zone. It's a outside. war zone out That's, there. No, you were serious when you said it was a war zone. Uh, in terms of uh, people were running and across the streets and uh, cars were backed up and yeah. people were honking. It was crazy. There was no missing limbs or anything like that. Yeah, was there a, was. You should go to more there war was. zones, I think. There I was. Think. That is an insult to genuine. To the That's to an in, insult to the troops. Uh, okay, well, it's an insult to w- genuine war zones. Yes. I think it is. I'm sorry, war uh, zones. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. We, to have all a those big, war zones. we have a big war zone listenership. Not yes. people in war zones. No, just war the zones actual them, war zones themselves. themselves yeah, um, the uh, it is a uh, it is a uh, uh, porn and it's uh, raining. This is our first show that we've done since um, before well, Canada Day. Before, July 1st. before Canada yeah. Day, yeah, we so had it's um, been a, a bit of a break. We've uh, uh, been away for a while. A lot of uh, has happened. Um, uh, this week, our, our guest, uh, just to say off the top, um, is uh, a comedian, a friend of mine I've known for almost 20 years, and I've been waiting for a long time for him to be able to come in and talk. Uh, he uh, he uh, says it like it is, and that's why I appreciate what I like about Glenn. Uh, Glenn Ottaway is going to be our interview this week. He's a comedian, uh, an accomplished magician, and he also is now running a venue himself. So uh, we'll get to all sides of the uh, the equation on comedy from Glenn Ottaway. I think that's one thing that a lot of stand-ups always talk about doing and they always want to do is they always want to run a place uh, by themselves. Sure. Just because because we always see when we go to comedy shows how much uh, people that aren't ever on stage, how they fuck up so much. Right. And just like really simple things of just, well, you know. Well, we'll talk to Glenn for sure about all those types of things because we all think we could, if we ran this place, it'd be yeah. like this. Right. There'd be free popcorn. You wouldn't charge $8 a box of popcorn. Well, so. I don't, I'm not against that. That no, sounds like a pretty good idea. Sure. You should open up your own, yeah. own place. Yeah, just sell popcorn. What, why? Why would you ever open up your own place? No. Why not? No, because I just uh, I think your heart has to be in it, and you, I don't. I'm not ready to give up. Maybe eventually I would, but <laughs> eventually you would give up. Or no, open eventually. Up your own... well, I think you have to give up performing to really do it well. I mean, you can dabble your feet in a little bit, but for all sakes and purposes, it's just you know, there's no point. Well, well do you think yeah, you would I... fall into the same traps as other uh, comedy club managers? Well, I guess you because you. I guess because you have so many disagreements with so many comedy club owners and, yes. and people. That, Look, like, that, it's, for example, this weekend I just did Vaughn uh, for and, Yuck and, Yucks. And what did you hate about it? And what did I hate about it? Let me count the ways. You know, first of all, normally they should put a warning up for my show. There was no warning. Secondly, the website should say there's a warning to the show. There was no warning. People calling in were supposed to be told there was a show, you know, a certain kind of show. There was no warning. So then you have two comics on before me that, uh, you know, nice guys, funny guys, but they were kind of yelly, and uh, that's kind of what I kind of am to a certain extent, but they kind of do a happier version of it. So here's a crowd not warned about what kind of show they're about to see, seeing an hour of kind of a style that I do, um, and then all of a sudden it's the antichrist of that kind of thing, of yelling. And, uh, you know, it's not a great TSN turning point in a show after 45 minutes to an hour of going one way to be like, okay, and now, you know, fuck the queen and all this other stuff. And at one point, you know, I said, look, I know you want dick jokes, and they all cheered. And I said to them, and it's, you know, this is very elitist, I know it is. I said, look, if you want to get to Dick Joke Island, we have to cross over Social Commentary Lake. And if you don't applaud or clap, during we crossing over a social commentary lake, the boat sinks at that lake, and we never get to Dick Joke Island. And, you know, some of the staff laughed and the comic laughed, but the audience is just like, what are you talking about, Dick Joke Island? It was just kind of a pointless thing. And, 
you know, maybe they thought that was a real place. Maybe, yeah. I bet, the, I bet the, if it the was, mis- misfit toys in Dick Joke Island. If it was, I bet those people on that island would have a good sense of humor. They would. I they would, would like to. I hope so. Yeah. When do you consider a show yours? Because I mean, it was just you were headlining it, and sure. it was Freddie Proy and Alex Pavone yes. long before you. Yes. Did Freddie do his? Uh, is James Gandolfini? Uh, from... Actually, no, he didn't. He, he didn't, didn't do this. He didn't. He didn't. No. I like it how he always says, "This is Tony Soprano right. from The Sopranos." Right. I right. always think it's good yeah, for him to clear yeah. that shit up. Uh, yeah. Because in case it's Little House on the Prairie or uh, yeah, or sorry, or from Brady Bunch or some cooking James Gandolf, some, some yeah. cooking show with Tony Soprano. Uh, but uh, anyways, you uh, they they didn't warn people. Specifically. They didn't warn people. So you know, I'd have to go on stage and I have to say, "Look, it's an X-rated show, or it's going to get considerably dirtier." And there was a group on the Friday night. It was a 60th birthday party and they're like oh no like literally like that's what they yelled out oh no when did they yell that out minute two what and how what was minute two of your show i did did a couple of little jokes and i said hey just want everyone to know it's going to get a bit dirtier it's a bit it's going to be an x-rated show from here on people usually go crazy for that though not when they're not warned of it (laughs) no it's you not when it's not when they're not warned if if they know it is if they read the sign coming in it's all good they've made the decision they've kind of made that leap in their head if they haven't then they've got a problem well people don't like to read though you know especially when they go in and then especially you know they've already paid their money they're going to be like well let's see what this is all about right but I mean, people, it's, it's amazing that uh, a lot of people don't do that sort of research. Uh, I went to go and see uh, Alex, uh, Alex uh, Nussbaum, Nussbaum, who was on yes. our show earlier. I went to go see his fringe play this afternoon. Uh, I thought it was uh, entertaining. It was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this sort of typical uh, stand-up. Just he didn't just a... take his act and then you know, sit oh, down with it. Of course not, no, right. which, uh, which is good. I yeah. think that's a good idea because yeah, you, know, I mean, you, have the, you have a whole stage where you can do literally anything, and you just decide to make it into a, a headlining set of right. just talking into a microphone. Uh, I thought it was good. Do you, have you ever applied for the fringe? I haven't applied, but there was one year where I almost Ever? did apply. Why? Yeah, I've never applied. Oh. Uh, there was a period where I was going to do a one-man show, and it wasn't going to just be my stand-up act. But then it just, you know, you run out of time, and you just don't apply, and then things, you know, just life takes over. Well, you just well, you apply in February, sure. and then if it happens, it happens. happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You should do that. I know. I want to do it. I will I do it. I think you will be continuously frustrated as long as you play for a comedy club that yes. promotes their name before they promote their ads. Yes, yes. And that's, you know, I mean, but that's the well said. that's the group that you sign up for. Yeah. I went to um uh I went to uh, Winnipeg over the, over the uh, Canada over Day the Canada long weekend. weekend. And uh oh my god, there's a big difference uh going to Winnipeg uh during the frenzy of a comedy festival compared to uh just uh, going there vacation-wise. Uh I went to go uh see a girl there named Jane um and uh, a very sweet, very nice girl. Uh, I had a couple of hours that I had to kill by myself, and uh, I'm, I'm walking through the streets of Winnipeg, and I swear to God, I went up to a couple people that I thought looked kind of cool, and uh, I asked them, uh, I was like, hey, where's a nice place to walk around in Winnipeg where there might be some interesting shops? And I swear to God, they had the, this. They gave me this look like I asked them where the dog shit museum was. Right. It was just like... But they, that is the interesting place in Winnipeg, the dog, the dog shit, shit museum. Me- but it was like, uh, they just were, were kind of clueless of like where... Right. Where do you go? Interesting seemed like confusing to them. Right. And uh, Winnipeg's uh, a, a nice place to go to ask. Uh, it's a long way to go to ask what the fuck you're doing here. Right. Uh, but uh, she was an, uh, she's a very nice girl. I think any time that uh, I, I like her a lot, she's a very nice girl. But I think that a lot of it, your first experience on a city depends a lot on who your tour guide is. Sure. And um, 
it was nice. It was nice and quiet. It was one of the first times I actually remember what happened on my birthday. So right, you know, which was <laughs> the thing about Winnipeg is it's it, yeah we went with a you know it's it's like going to Mardi Gras at, at a place and then it's like oh it's a big festival it's all fun 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 and then the next weekend is just you know a it, normal town it goes and back to, yeah. that's the thing about Winnipeg I mean I've only been during the festival and then one other time I went on my own and actually I'm going to be going back in um, October with Kenny Robinson uh, to play the gas station theater that's going to be announced in a couple weeks but uh, there I said it so fuck it but um, I, well, my expectations is just a good party town but you have to know where the party is it's right. not like out in the open it's out in the streets it's not like Montreal Montreal's a town you can just go to and find your own party and it's a fucking crazy place sure Winnipeg is not that no I just um, you know I, I even I, Edmonton is a little more of that than, than Winnipeg is. Well, you know, Calgary, you have, like, White Avenue. You have sure. Electric Avenue. You can just walk down that. You'll yes. find something. Uh, Winnipeg, I felt like I really needed a tour guide. Um, and uh, I kind of said to her at one point, I was surprised that we didn't go out to a bar and get shit-faced. Right. And uh, she was like, oh, well, you know what? I kind of really don't do that much anymore. Yeah. And I'm, the whole time I'm thinking, shit, I did that in the airport on the way onto the <laughs> yeah. plane. Once again, and, uh, Dave, I, you I, should just date 21-year-old girls because well, all these girls you're dating, they're never going to want to do that. Or I should just go back to go like hanging outside like Weight Watchers uh, meetings and then just ask yeah. them, hey, you know what? We got to live it up every once in a while. Sure. And then fucking fuck the calories. Let's yeah, go get hammered. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah. What? And, oh, you know what? Another thing is too is, and I don't know why this is with like thirty-year-old girls that turn thirty and all of a sudden that they refer to themselves as being old. Yeah, they're old. I mean, and you know what? You know what? Who doesn't want to hear that? A guy that just turned forty-one, right. And still parties like I do. Yeah. Like they want to wake up in the hospital. So you yeah, know, I, I just uh, it, it 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 was it it was fun. It was enjoyable. Um, but at some point you got to say to yourself, I'm forty-one. Maybe I shouldn't be doing shit. No, like I don't this. have to do that. Maybe when I don't you stole the to. Twix bar. Or... I didn't. First of all. I never stole do you that. even remember you calling me on sure uh, Saturday do. night? Sure, I do. Hammered? Hammer on on Saturday night. Saturday night. See, oh. you don't even remember. Well, no. Why would I? Why did I call you? on I Saturday have night? no idea. You just did called I? me out of the blue. Hey, Darren Frost. And then, did I hang up? No. And then you passed the phone off to two other people. Who were they? And both of them were the first things they said is, "Oh man, Dave is really hammered." Oh, and they didn't know who they were. Well, they, I, yeah, they I knew well, who, who they, they were. Uh, Kevin McDonald and Mark Walker both were like, "Yeah, Dave's really hammered." Oh, okay. Well, we're going to play that game of when is Dave going to get kicked out of this um, this place? I was asked to leave. I uh... Did, were you? <laughs> no, I no, I no, I I wasn't asked. I was wow, not asked first to leave. Weekend. I was not asked to leave. Uh, but I did manage to actually no. I took my ex girlfriend there. Uh, yeah. She was my plus one. Sure. And um, I think it is a it's a debate between the two of us who stole the the sign outside of their house that had their address on it. You know oh. the you know the, the piece of wood with the uh, yeah. the, the brass numbers sure. that say thirteen hundred. Or... So you got drunk and then you stole something again. Oh, I never stole a Twix bar. No, I was actually I, I, I never believe... stole that Twix bar. That was a uh, that was a genuine mistake. That was it. Oh, this is not a mistake. This was theft. No, it wasn't. Th- I, no, I oh, had, no, Heather, no, Heather no, stole no. that. Yeah, oh, she I, stole t- I took a oh, camera okay. because I thought it belonged to someone yeah. else, and I gave them both back the next day. I'm sure if we called Heather right now, there'd be a different story. No, we can I call her. I told Dave call to put it phone. down. No. I told Dave put it down. I think I was probably the one that told this her to take it. This is why we need to be able take to take it. callers. Take and it. In the fall, when we get callers, we will call people like Heather sure. and call you on your bullshit. That's not bullshit. That will be the new show name, Calling Dave on His Bullshit. Forget Anything Goes. All right, calling call Dave him. on his bullshit. Call me. Um, one thing I want we got to mention is yeah, uh, we, we have a, a Canadian minute. a Canadian Comedy Award, the only show in the history of Sirius yes, XM to Dave be nominated likes to for pronounce two. Every show. Um, well, yep. I, I like to pronounce it. Yeah, I do like to pronounce it. it. Uh, 
uh, or an announce it. Announce um, it, yes. I do uh, like to mention that, that we are the only show in the history of SiriusXM yes. to be nominated twice for a Canadian Comedy yep. Award in the Best Radio category. So uh, please uh, go to the Canadian Comedy Awards and vote for us. Uh, we are going to uh, start a, a bigger campaign. And remember, if you want to get our shows on iTunes, uh, you have to t- type in SiriusXM. No slash in between those two of those. Just anything goes on SiriusXM, and then you'll uh, get that. And also on the podcast that um, you'll be able to uh, get on iTunes this week. Um, there is the bonus footage of me doing commentary, and the, there's the audio from the night. You did that... post the audio from the Twix bar scenario. It's not the Twix bar scenario. It's more the Shoppers Drug Store Mart scenario. I don't right. like make. I don't want to give Twix a bad name, right? Because um, you love that chocolate bar so much, you'll steal it. Uh, it's a good. It's a. It's, it's a, a good. good it's bar. a good candy bar. All uh, right. Well, but anyways, gotta, that got... audio's there, and I'll admit that the quality is not great, but it, it, it's there, and you can hear this okay. fucking asshole right. that detained me. Uh, okay, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, Glenn Ottaway will be joining us, and we'll be talking comedy and so much more. And uh, we'll see if Dave uh, wants to keep doing this uh, call him on his bullshit thing. I think we should change the name of the show to that. Dave, call him Dave on his bullshit. You can. Even when you're a star, a punch in the head is still a punch in the head. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Uh, Hey there, this is Dave Hemstad. You are listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin on Sirius XM. with 20% more brand to keep you regular from the bump. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. All right, we are back from the break. This is Anything Goes for the week of July 10th, 2013. Uh, My name's Dave Martin. I'm in studio with always with uh, Darren Frost. We're coming to you from a very rainy Toronto, Ontario. The war zone. The war zone, as Darren refers to it as. Um, and, uh, yeah, the rain's piling up high here. Yep. And uh, I just, I got to ask you this. So you do not genuinely believe my story of uh, scooping the uh, the Twix bar? No, I don't. You don't no, believe don't. that at all? No. Okay, all right. That's no, do I, no, do I believe that your intentions was to pay for it and then you forgot? Sure, but I think you were drunk and you probably shouldn't have done what you did because uh, that doesn't really make sense to me, scooping it up with the Now Magazine and then doing that. Well, no, it's just because it was in. I, I was using the hand that already had the newspaper. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I don't think you tried to steal the candy bar, if that's what you're asking. Uh, right. That's all I'm asking. No, I, I don't not, think you're trying in, to do that. I did not intentionally right. do that. But, but at but... the end of the day, you did steal a candy bar. No, because it, that it, is no the it, that's not. No, it's uh, that's Joining us in the, the studio. Case. That's not the case. Joining, I don't, so let's, let's get I a third party. I did not intentionally do that. Let's get a third party. Okay. Glenn Ottaway is here. He's an accomplished comedian and a magician, and I've known him for over 20 years. Welcome to the show, Glenn. Nice to be here, Darren. And Dave, I'll stand behind you, man. Anytime you want to steal a Twix, go ahead. Here's the scenario, Glenn. I don't want an accomplice. You tell me. If you uh, were your hands were full, you grabbed the candy bar, and you put it under your arm, you paid for everything, you left the candy bar on your arm, you left, and then someone accosted you and said, hey, you sold that candy bar. Um, and you did not pay for it. You may have forgotten to pay for it, but in reality, you did steal the candy bar. Correct or not? It was not? an honest mistake. 
Well, I didn't intend. It's it's right. the intent. Did I intend to, to leave the store with it? No. Right. Once I was waiting in line and shuffling and looking for my wallet, then I f- completely slipped my mind that it was underneath my armpit in the first well, place. Was, so. was, the, was the store in the middle of a war zone? That could make a difference. <laughs> well, it turned That's into right. one. Yeah. That's right. Were you looting, Dave, at the time? Were no, you looting? but I was, uh, I wish I, well, no, Maybe. I wasn't. You know, I, can I tell you, um, this is my first memory of Glenn Ottaway. Sure. Uh, Glenn and I were doing a, a horrible show uh, out near the airport with Carrie Talmadge. And um, I think I was doing a, a, a middle spot, as they might call it, and uh, I was uh, bombing horribly. And then Glenn came close to the edge of the stage and just gave me the uh, uh, <laughs> cut. cut, cut it, he gave me the, the cut your slit your throat uh, hand gesture. Oh, and yeah. then uh, I uh, was, uh, oh, thank God. Because <laughs> I learned very easily once being on the road with uh, veterans like yourself, Glenn, you got to uh, do your time. Um, or if your time, if, I think it got to the point where it didn't matter if I was doing my time anymore. It probably looked like I could have still stood up there and kept talking for a little while longer, but it wasn't going to make it for a better show. No. And, uh, and then, yeah, and then Glenn gave me the hand gesture of, uh, you can leave anytime I want. <laughs> I chose immediately. Um, and I, I, I can't even remember what bits I was doing back then, or if I was like, okay, now I'll pull Can the I tell closer. you my, my first memory of Glenn Ottaway? Please do. And we'll let Glenn talk. I remember sitting in an audience of this gig near the airport and uh, watching Dave bomb horribly, <laughs> and uh, Glenn walking up to the stage and just giving this slit the throat. Uh, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Do you have I, a genuine first uh, Glenn Ottaway moment? My first Glenn Ottaway moment that I remember is, uh, I'm, I have a terrible memory to begin with, but I do remember, and I always tell this story to anyone about Glenn Ottaway, uh, back in the 90s when you used to do a Western tour, you'd have a lot of days off, and if you were a middle or an MC, you couldn't afford to get a room, or if you did, you'd make zero money and not pay your rent. And Glenn knew me a little bit, and I knew Glenn a little bit, but he let me stay with him for two full weeks on a West Coast tour, so he gave up the ability to have a room by himself to make sure that I had a place to sleep, and uh, I thought that was very commendable. Oh, I guess kind of, so before Glenn gets to speak, and, and he will, we'll allow him to well, talk eventually. at some point, uh, I remember Glenn and I were driving from from uh, uh, some place out west, uh, maybe it was, I forget where it was, but we were driving from one place in B.C. to the other, and um, I had my eyes straight on the road, and I started telling some story. And, uh, Glenn fell asleep? And then Glenn fell asleep, <laughs> and, mid-story, and then Glenn started snoring, and I kind of said, to, Glenn, you could just tell me it's not an interesting story. <laughs> you really don't have to snore sarcastically while I'm sitting here. And then I looked over, and I, Glenn was genuinely sleeping, and then so I was like, okay, fine. I thought that was like, okay, hey, it might not be the most exciting story, Glenn. I get it. But I think that's happened to Lou Eisen and myself as well. But, um, wow, but, name uh, dropper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I keep dropping. So, I, I dropped it and kept walking. Yeah. That's what that name was. So, Glenn, you're you're not doing as much stand-up now. And no. now, now you're kind of like the booker for a venue. Don't you want to so know you... what my first memory of you is? Sure, yeah. yeah okay. Tell me the first memory we of me. We were working in Niagara Falls. And yep. it was in the old, I think it was an old bus terminal or yes. something. Yes, oh, yeah. And you were on the show, and I had no idea who you were. Yep. And I was emceeing the show, and, and I said, well, uh, and you were, I think, split middling. And I said, well, is this guy even here? He said, yeah, he's here. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just introduce me. I'll be there. And I was told that the, the show was a special show for parents of, um, oh. how do you say it now? You can't say Special retards, kids or whatever. Yeah. You can still say retard if you want. Mentally reads. Yes. Whatever. Yes. Anyway. And I start to the introduction, and I see Darren coming towards the stage. And these are the days <laughs> when he wore about this. what was that? The Great Gazoo, Great Gazoo and plaid pants. Yeah, 
And I thought, oh my God, one of the kids escaped. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, you uh, actually stopped me. No, 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 no. And yeah. I'm like, no, no, I'm the act. No, no. And then God actually said, no, no, we're all acts here. Like, he's talking down yeah. to me. Like. And the next thing I remember about him was uh, was going to Calgary. Yeah. And it was my first trip to Calgary for a certain organization. And I remember I checked in at the at the front desk, and they said, there's a note here for you, which really surprised me. And all it was was one word. It said, help, and a room number. <laughs> and apparently Darren had been there three or four days with no yes. other comics in the hotel yes. at all. It's like the fucking Shining out there at the Calgary Blackfoot. Yeah. Yes. It was January uh, in the 90s. It was like fucking minus 40. Well, it's, in the middle, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's middle like of an nowhere. industrial, industrial district. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so you, now you're you're not doing very much stand up. You're you're no. kind of booking your own venue, a uh, venue that you work for. So now yeah. you've kind of jumped to the other side. And uh, we were talking about it off the top a little bit, but like you know, you always think if I ran something, it would be like this, 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 <laughs> this, and this. And is it like that for you, or is it more of a? No, you get a whole different look. I, mean, I don't know if you remember now, but sometimes we used to feature at clubs. They would have you come in early on a Thursday and do a lecture to the, the comics. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And everybody had their own special little topic they'd talk about. Mine was, why are you here? Right. And you always got, well, it's for the art, it's for this, it's for that. No, it's not. You're there to sell beer. That's the bottom line of any club. You don't sell beer, the place ain't going to stay open. Right. Uh, and I've always understood that. Where I don't think most comics do. I think the audience is there for them rather than the other way around. Um, so when I bought it in this, uh, it's a dinner theater just east of Toronto, um, they do mostly plays, but I also started bringing in comedy. And so we do have regular comedy nights there. And uh, we also have, uh, like, a lot of music in there. We have uh, country bands, fake artists, you know, pretending sure. to be artists. Uh, wrestling bands, yeah. And wrestling? Yes. No, we're going to talk about the wrestling no, for not sure. E not even cover bands. They're like, uh, you know, Elvis Presley. They call themselves ETA. Elvis Tribute Artists. Oh, okay. <laughs> I call them. They're all the same. Right. But, boy, they sell well. <laughs> Now you, when you started as a stand-up, you were also doing magic in your act and doing stand-up in between, like doing kind of both, right? Well, I began as a magician, right? Uh, and then I worked in a show in Toronto for ten years called Little Night Magic, where which I hosted. So that's where I learned to to incorporate comedy into it. And I found out comedy is a lot easier than magic um, to do on stage. But you know, the problem is when you do both, magicians think you're an outsider because you're not a pure magician right and comics think you're a prop act so you're right. not a real stand-up so any place i worked i was considered on the outside and what was it what was that like i mean you know you would do a great job like i remember for example people would ask me when i when i came back from my tour because i worked with you those two weeks and they were like mm -hmm. you know well, how did glenn do and i said well well you fucking you know i remember one show in particular in canmore um which is close <laughs> to calgary Fuck. i fucking ate it for like 35 minutes i fucking ate it and I'm like, and here is Glenn Ottaway, and you killed. I mean, you killed the place, and people were going nuts. And it wasn't just because of the magic. You you did a lot of stand up off the top first. You didn't really do magic until about like 15 or 20 minutes in. But you would just kill. Now, of course, you know that's you know time and and you know ability versus what I had. But no one actually sometimes a lot of comics don't give credit to prop acts or magicians or whatever in stand up comedy. <laughs> Well, uh, that's okay. I mean, it never bothered me because I was never, I'm not really a guy who hangs out with people anyway. Right. But I don't know if you remember this place. I, I can't quite remember what it's called. It's like five and a half hours north of Edmonton. Oh, I know this story. Yeah. Um, Fairview, Alberta. Yes. I went in there my first time in there and they said you had to do, I think it was an hour. An hour or by yourself. Yes. Yeah. And I got there and it was tough. There's like a biker uh, bar out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Well, when I got there, they said we don't start the show till the game's over. 
Yes. And I had no idea who was playing that. What they meant was the local street hockey game. Shit. Oh, nothing right. to do with television. Right. So the show started about 11 o'clock. I did my whole hour, and I, I got the check, and the guy said, that was great. The guy last week only lasted 35 minutes. I was like, fuck, if I could have lasted 35 yeah. minutes, I don't know what happened. We did a show but, after a UFC in, uh, where was that place? In uh, Col- uh, with Kelowna, yes, BC. Yes, Kelowna, yeah. yeah. Which is never, and I, don't, I made, the mistake of, made the mistake of trying to do UFC jokes. Which yeah. is something. Oh, no, no, no. But it's the same thing with like wrestling fans too. They don't want to hear jokes about something that they have to constantly defend. Right. Like, yeah. but, but let so, me ask you one thing because okay. it goes on top of it. Do you remember the time we went to Fairview, Alberta, Glenn? Yeah. You called me and you go, listen, here's the deal. If you drive, because I don't like driving, I like to sleep. I'm like, yeah. He goes, he goes, and you do 10 minutes, I'll give you half the money. And you get your hotel covered because we'll stay up there. I said, fuck, I don't want to pay 50 bucks in this shitty hotel. I'd rather make a little bit of money and, yeah, let's do it. So we drove the five hours. We uh, check into the shitty motel. Then we go to the gig. We have to wait for everything to finish. I go on. I'm on stage. I only have to do 10 minutes. At minute five, this woman starts heckling me, like viciously, and everyone goes quiet in the bar. And then finally, I just, you know, I hammer her back. I get a few laughs, and then it goes quiet, and she goes, I'm going to cut you. (laughs) I went, excuse me? She goes, I'm going to cut you. Do I go, I literally said this, I'll never forget this. I go, well, there's only one way to follow. I'm going to cut you. Here's your headliner, Glenn Ottaway. <laughs> and so Glenn goes up, and I go to the back of the room, and the bartender t- comes up to me, and he says, you better get out of here. I said, why? Because she's a cutter. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> she's known to cut people. That's her thing in town. She's known as a cutter. And, we and did nowadays, the that would be just a depressed 14-year-old girl exactly. trying to get attention. You know, yeah. listening to too much Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. But uh, we get, you do the gig, we get in the car, we didn't even go back to the motel. We drove straight to fucking Edmonton, five and a half hours. Yep. I remember that. <laughs> I feel ripped off that I was never that I never got to do that show, even though I know it would be horrible. I knew it would be a horrible experience, but I always felt like it was a, a rite of passage to sure. a certain degree about yeah. uh, Fairmont. Oh, doing that Fairview, yeah, yeah. Fairview. Because yeah. I even had Real like gigs like that. Yeah, you know, I even had like a Zedlacker even told me that was one of the shows that he was walking to stage, walking to the stage, hadn't even taken the first step onto it, and people were telling him to fuck off. Yeah, and it would be one thing to fuck off and shut up, but even before you get to the microphone, yeah. I'm sort of like guys. <laughs> Please hold on a minute. The um, do you do you miss doing stand up as much as you used to? Because you're not doing it very much. You're doing a little well, bit now, but not as much. You know what happened? I, I always thought I based this on an old Mash episode I saw where there's a, a story about a a um, reporter who was who was going to the front lines. The reporter said at the beginning of the show, "I understand you never hear the bullet they get you." Right. And this was something you'd heard. Well, at the end of the show, of course, he's coming in on a stretcher, and he said, "I didn't hear the bullet." Yeah. Right. No, I'm sorry. At the beginning, oh, fuck that up. Terrible. <laughs> at the beginning, he said, you always hear the bullet. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Yeah, that makes a better and at the metaphor. end, he said, I didn't hear the bullet. Right. And so, yeah, I came to a point where I wasn't having fun anymore, and I realized that. I can even tell you where it was and who said it to me. It was on Prince Edward Island. Um, uh, Steve Cox was emceeing. As oh, I was walking on stage, he shook my hand, and he said, have fun. And that's when I realized I wasn't having fun anymore. Right. And, uh, there was but was no that challenge. a natural thing, or do you think it just kind of the tap turned off, or was it just a bit of a progression? Well, you know what? There, there was no more challenge. You get on stage, and you I'm sure you guys know this, too. You know within the first 30 seconds if you're going to have to work for oh, it. Oh, yeah, of course. Or if it's, you can just phone the show in. Right. And uh, there was no challenge left, so I didn't, I, you know. 
I think that's what I needed is a little more challenge. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain amount of like eagle rub that every comic kind of gets to gets out of like conquering a crowd. And when you don't feel like you need to get that ego boost anymore, then yeah. it's it kind of does it does kind of uh, sort of fizzle out a little bit as far as like your desire to uh, sort of get up there and, uh, and well, and also beat up uh, beat a crowd down. With the your company jokes. I was working with didn't really care too much about the comics. I don't want to give any, any names, right? <laughs> sure. Uh, but there's one club in particular which I'm cl- I'm glad to hear is getting his ass kicked right now by an opposing club in in Ottawa. But uh, the point is. Yeah. And you know who I'm talking about. Of course. That guy just fucking hated me because I was a prop comic. Yes. And I would go on his show, MC it, and I'm basically holding the show together because yeah. the other two guys weren't very strong. Right. And how long are you supposed to do that, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. You're, I think... you're only going to be treated as well as you let someone treat you. That's the yeah. bottom line. And and for someone, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I've had the same issues with, with that gentleman too and, and other bookers. It's like the last, like I was... I just did Vaughn for my first time headlining since yes. March. Actually, if you really try your uh, hardest, you can probably find the episode where we interview that gentleman yeah. uh, at the end of one yes. of the podcasts. Yes. But yes. I always, you know, when you, when you were talking about, um, you know, the, the magicians would look down on you because you did stand-up and the stand-ups would look down on you because you did magic. Right. I, I don't know if this is a magician thing, but I know that stand-ups are remarkably insecure and we kind of just don't like anything that we can't do ourselves. That's why there's always sort of this like amount of like, you know, a lot of stand-ups don't like sketch and they don't like him improv and uh, probably because they tried it once or twice and then they just are, oh man I'm not getting any laughs clean I'm not comics hate bits. dirty comics and dirty comics hate clean comics well, and... for the most some occasionally yeah but I mean you know I mean Doug Stanhope enjoys Jerry Seinfeld he said before so yeah. and everyone likes Brian Regan whether you're dirty or clean sure. but I just think uh, I, I find that interesting that uh, everyone no matter what genre they're in they can find a reason not to like sort of well, what they what they can't do the difference is that magicians uh, will go and buy a trick from the store most of them because most magicians never perform in public. They read the instructions, they do the patter word for word, uh, and it's always patter that's about 30 years out of date. Yeah, right. And it's all very clean and very proper. So anytime you do anything different, they poo-poo it because they just don't understand the entertainment portion of it. Right. Most uh, magicians only see other magicians at magician clubs. And so... You know, if a trick fools them, it's a great trick. If it doesn't fool them, it's a it's a lousy trick. Now, have so, you have you seen the Penn and Teller uh, fooled or get fooled or something from Britain? Yeah, yeah. You know the show mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Yeah, fool us. Uh, fool us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been watching it uh, on YouTube, and it's it's. I actually really enjoy the show because, uh, as I've said to you many times before, I actually like magic. Uh, I wish there was a club in Toronto or a venue that had it like once a month or something. Uh, you know, uh, bring someone in. Or uh, I'm always on the road when Penn and Teller come here because I'm a, I'm a fan of what they do. But there doesn't seem to be, you know, you, you got to go to Vegas. You've always said that to me before. Yeah. You go to Vegas, you can see magic, but you can't see it really anywhere else. And mm. I still think that's a, a discredit to that art form. Well, part of the thing, it goes back to the old vaudeville days in that if you had a six-minute act, you could do that act for, for 10 years sure. and repeat it because only a few hundred people are going to see you at any one time. That's the problem with magic is you can't continually change what you're doing because right. you can't keep the quality up. And doesn't that and at that point isn't it more of like a, your your personality takes over the, from the act of just like people will go see a guy do the same tricks over and over again if if they find that he has a stunning personality enough? Well, I don't know. You're talking about the most popular magicians ever, like David Copperfield, right? Um, I've never liked him. He's just too hack. Right. Um, he doesn't do anything. He stands out there, looks good, and right. the girls do all the tricks for him. 
And then you get these other guys like, um, who are those? Chris Angel? Chris Angel, yeah. yeah. The guy's a total dick. I came across a video of him uh, when he was first getting into business with, uh, I think it was some entertainment show in the States. And they're showing, he, has, he was in a rock band and doing magic in front of the rock band. Problem was, he was doing someone else's act. Yeah. yeah. I remember he so, posted it on Facebook and I, I did, watched yeah. it. Yeah. Because I, I, I just, I, is it not? Is it the same in magic as it is in comedy? Like, if you're doing my bit, you better fucking look out because I'm going to call you on it. Or in magic, because so many people do buy things and then, you know, like uh, some close-up magic tricks or whatever, mm -hmm. and then do it because they bought it, they're allowed to do it. I don't know where the line is there with magic. Well, if you purchase the trick, you're actually purchasing the routine as well. Right. So you can do it with no problem. What happens is when someone steals it. So... If you if you purchase a trick these days, uh, you get a certificate with it to say yes, you do have the rights to use. Oh, it's that. It's that. Okay, yeah. wow. Yeah, they're but, never going to have that with fart jokes. But I have a friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are mine. I have a friend who builds uh, and creates magic. Yeah. And he doesn't sell it. He just uses it himself. And he works a lot in Asian countries. Okay. And he says you do it once, and they'll fucking steal it. Right. And there's nothing to do about it because they're so far away. Right. Right. You know. Uh, but over here, he would have a recourse. Over there, he doesn't. Now, did you find the same thing in magic that you did in stand-up that you weren't having fun as much with it, and that's why you don't you didn't continue just doing magic shows? And when the stand-up died down, yeah. Well, now I do um, uh, at the theater. I open each show. I introduce each show. Right. And the basic job there is to sell tickets for the next show. Right. But you still make people laugh. I do a few tricks. Excuse me, I'm, I'm trying to hide my burping here. Okay. You trying because I was promised a glass of water and I never got it. No, no. But you, <laughs> we're broken promises. It's okay. Um, so I still do a little bit of stuff. The difference is now I don't have to do it to pay the rent. Right. That's so the you're big for the love of it. And I I love magic. Um, I prefer watching it than doing it. But I mean, I, I went to see a guy last week. He's not a magician. He was a um uh, uh, what's he call himself a mentalist. Yeah. He was fabulous. I loved it. I'd never seen anything he'd done before. Right. And it was entertaining, and it was fun. I'm going to book the guy into my place so he can uh, spread the joy a bit. What did, what did magicians think about, you know, the, the, there was that show on Fox, I think, where they kind of showed you how all the tricks were done, and it was like a masked man, and he's oh, like, yeah. oh, this is, I'm going to show you how Penn and Teller did this trick and this. Yeah. What did the magic world think of, of that show? What well, a jihad on him. When Penn and Teller uh, first came in, uh, they were called the bad boys of magic because right. magicians criticized them, and then they realized they're not really exposing anything. They were having a great time doing it. Yeah. Uh, now, this guy, Valentino is his name. Uh, he's a really third, fourth-rate magician. A lot of the stuff he did was was his own. No one else was doing it. Uh, but some of the things he did, like he exposed the linking rings. Well, you can go to the library and, and learn <laughs> yeah, how to yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas some other things, he exposed uh, David Copperfield's uh, um, Vanishing the Statue of Liberty, and uh, but he just did a different trick. But he showed exactly how it was done without right. making reference to it. Right. Um, so, I mean, the magicians screamed about it, but, but it put magic back in the, in the headlines. So there's no bad publicity, right? Right. Well, that just kind of makes magicians work harder overall to, to it should. you know. I mean, sure. you know, you, the audience goes in there thinking that they're a little bit smarter because they just watched this TV show. Now it just now makes fool them, me, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, when I when I used to do magic in that in in comedy clubs, I would do the magic uh, probably two thirds of the way into the show. Yeah, but I never end with a magic trick. I'd say, you know, pick a card. Here's your card, good. And then I would do a, a satire of Doctor Ruth telling you how to give a blowjob. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because that's you know, <laughs> it's hard to top that. Yeah. <laughs>
No, it was a trick, yeah. No, one of the things that you are sort of booking at this uh, theater that you have now is yeah. uh, you, uh, I, you've always been a wrestling fan, but now you're actually yes. booking live shows there. Yes. And we were talking a little bit about, um, I guess, this sort of perspective that a lot of uh, uh, guys that get into the professional wrestling game, um, but you were saying it's a lot like comics, that it's like they don't, I guess people's aspect. Uh, um, uh, people's aspirations are a little bit smaller now, and they are they're a little bit more realistic. Like, I guess I asked you, yes. if, like, do all these guys have like, uh, you know, um, dreams you know, of dreams of being yes. in, in front of like twenty four thousand people at the, you know, at a, some WWE pay per view event? Or, yeah, yeah, I think they they have those hopes, but I mean, I think they're more realistic in the fact they're not going to get them. But what what makes it same same as comedians is that these guys will drive hours, yeah. and, and and get the shit kicked out of them, yes, and get paid twenty bucks. Yeah. yeah, you well, know, for so. years, Dave, I mean, Dave would talk because I, I didn't watch wrestling for like 15, 20 years, yeah. but I still love the documentaries on wrestling because it's so is a parallel to stand up comedy. Right. I mean, I, I can watch Beyond the Mat like 10 times and just mm-hmm. see, yeah, Jake the Snake is just like this comic or this guy or, or that guy's just like this and the shitty hotel rooms and the yeah. getting drunk in the bars because you can't, you're away from your family or, you know, people. Mm-hmm. All those documentaries are so great because they show you the life on the road, whether you like wrestling or not, which to me is the sign of a great documentary, whether you like what they do or not. It's just an amazing presentation. I always was drawn to that with wrestling. And that's why I'm also drawn to, I don't want to go see a WWE thing. I want to go see something of a smaller scale because I know that their heart's in it and they're not getting much money for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the heart, their hearts in it is uh, uh, for like the WWE guys. Oh, I know but it is. I they know got, it is. They got the gig, but it's it's sure. still they still have to, you know, whether you get a good reaction or a bad reaction. I think they just want to get a reaction out of the crowd because there still are people watching there and yeah, and in the back, and they know that like fuck, there's like twenty guys that would want to be well more than twenty, but there's twenty easily twenty you know uh, up and coming guys backstage that would like to have this uh, spot. Yeah, but when when they're doing it with a, with a company as big as the WWE, they're wrestling every night. Yeah, and they're that's why so many of them die from overdoses and stuff, and the right. painkillers and stuff. The guys who work the shows we do, they mostly have day jobs. Yeah, they're like everybody else, you know. So like once a month and, or once every two weeks, they're probably doing a show. Oh no, probably two shows a week. Oh wow, okay. Uh, but. Um, you know they got families, and they yeah. you know they're there because they love it. Like say, you go and watch hockey. I'd much rather watch the Oshawa Generals play than the Leafs because the Oshawa Generals still have hope. When you can get yeah. a ticket too, <laughs> yeah, so that yeah, would well, help. yeah, and a reasonable price one, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean that's why. And and I I was a wrestling fan. The first match I ever saw, I was about twelve years old. Is Whipper Billy Watson versus Dick the Bulldog Brower. I don't really know if you remember those. No, guys. I know the second the gardens guy. and. Uh, they, uh, as soon as Vince took over everything, I, I was gone because I just could, it was just too much crap. The, uh, do you have to tell the guys to tone it down when they're doing a live show at your place? No, or? they understand exactly. See, these guys, uh, it's quite interesting because everybody talks about whether or not it's real or whether it's fixed. I think most of these wrestlers, they're, they're really, you know, top of the, uh, top of the, the list guys are in really good shape, much sure. better shape than most other athletes, a much all round, better shape all around. Um, and when people say, um, uh, you know, it's, it's scripted or whatever. It really isn't. The last show we did at our place, uh, we, we brought in a, a lady named Evangelina Love, who I'm sure you've heard of. Um, and uh, I want to. She <laughs> was uh, she was uh, wrestling a woman she'd never met before. Yeah. And they met five minutes before they went out to do the match. Right. Uh, but there's so many moves. There's only so many moves in wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And they repeat it over and over. And so it's not something you, you would, you know, rehearse 20 minutes to do a 20-minute match. 
you just do it. Well, I know it's like um, what was one of the ones uh, I remember seeing? Uh, like even there was like a UFC fight on, that was on this weekend. And I, and I, as much as I enjoy watching the UFC, I think there's a lot to be said about you know two guys going into a ring and really punching the shit out of each other for uh, twelve and a half minutes. Or there was like I remember there was like an uh, an Aust- uh, Steve Austin and Triple H match that was like mm-hmm. forty five minutes long. And, you know, you could debate, well, who's really the better athlete in that situation? You know, like two guys yeah, that can put on a 45-minute show. Yeah, yeah whether yeah. it's scripted or not. They're and, still throwing each other around or, you know, doing moves. It's not a boring match yeah, no, not for 45 minutes. You know, you're well, picking up a couple hundred pounds every, you know, 30 seconds or a minute, throwing it around. Right. No, another important thing, though, is now the audience gets it. Right. The audience understands. Uh, and the nice thing is when a wrestler gets tossed out of the ring, He's almost in the laps of the front row, which is great. Right. There's no, there's no uh, barrier between the wrestlers and the people. And they're not under any damage of ever getting stabbed like it was in the old days when people thought it was all legitimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. know it's a character. And yeah. after the show <laughs> and during the intermission, they sit there and they sign autographs. People come and talk to them. So even if they're a heel, they're, they know they're people when they're not in the right. ring. And they're very nice. All of them are very nice when, they, when they're not in the ring. That was one of the things Jesse Ventura said. It was in uh, I've heard him in interviews before that like the downfall of a lot of wrestlers is that they would never step out of character. Yeah, it's like they would be the same people. Well, it's like the Iron Sheik. Well, uh, Iron Sheik he actually doesn't really do that anymore. But I mean, he used to be go, go wild and go crazy and you know and, and drink beer and you know smoke pot with his fans and stuff like that. But now he's he's calmed down a bit. But yeah, for a while he would get booked everywhere because he would just go insane all the time. Well, the the only wrestler I ever knew that didn't ever break uh break his character was the, the original sheik yeah out of detroit he never ever broke yeah he was the guy that trained rvd too did he really yeah yeah that. rvd says has said that yeah. before uh okay uh, what uh darren you want to uh yeah we're almost we're almost out of time but the one thing mm-hmm. i did want to ask you because now you are you're booking acts and yes. you're, you're kind of seeing it from a different perspective and all the length of time you were as a stand-up comic if there's even one or two things that you think now that every comic should know or not do, what do you think that is? Well, I think one thing I've learned is you can't do anything personally. You can't hire someone just because you like them. Right. Um, for example, I've never hired either of you guys. Right. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. But, but quite frankly, um, now once we get uh, more established in the comedy grounds, then we can take chances. Right. Um, like I said, we, had, we talked earlier before the show, we brought one particular guy in uh, and he drew 20 people sure and um now to bring you and for example darren kenny's show in yeah love to but the key there is we're not going to start it till 11. yes no no of Uh, course and it has to be you were talking about not not enough uh, warnings and stuff you gotta give them the warnings that's what they're coming to see but god i think sometimes the warning is half the draw too of course Sometimes. it is. Yeah. Of course it yeah. is. I mean, people forget in the 80s or late 80s, Kenny would go to Saskatchewan. They put X-rated out and there'd be a lineup around the door, yeah. you know, around the place. You know, like mm-hmm. people were waiting for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense sometimes. I think as much as people can see that stuff on TV now, there's no way of replacing what a, a live show is. Yes. Now, actually, before we get out of here, I want, one thing I want to say. You said that the, a lot of the wrestling shows you have are family friendly. Yes. Now, how do you How do you do that? I mean, you can't control the crowd. And you can't. You try to ask them not to do blade jobs where they kind of have a razor blade in their yes. wrists and cut their foreheads open. Yes. But um, how do you? There's just... a sign. There's a sign backstage which has the list of the matches and who's fighting who. And at the top it says no swearing, no spitting, do not touch any of the fans. Right. Yeah. That's it. And and if they do, they lose the gig. They won't right. Be back. Right. right. 
That's simple. Because there's a there is another brand in Toronto. Uh, it's called Fight Brand, but I mean yeah. they have more of an. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think they're more of an adult audience, but I mean there's some guys that I see take their kids to it, and then quickly yeah. figure out that like there's some more because uh, there's a there's like a clearly racist character that they have on it that you know he was trying to hold a guy like a, a black guy down and feed him watermelon, and of yeah. course we all know <laughs> at the end of it uh, that it's all going to turn around, and then Mr. Yeah. Canada, this black guy, is going to like you know beat the shit out of the guy. But there were some you know they were, had a big yeah. thing of like grape soda and they were pouring in the guy's face and was and the, that was one of the matches that Ari Shafir and I I took when Ari Shafir was in Toronto I took him to that show and uh, it was a blast you couldn't believe what the, well, the lengths that they were going yeah. away with yes yeah. the only thing I didn't like about fight brand is they have the band there as well yeah it's it's too they, much music man. they they do try to incorporate it make it almost more of a variety show but yeah. it, it's still it's still fun and I, I recommend anyone that wants to go out and see a live show it's there's nothing like seeing it uh, live just the same mm. as a uh, stand-up is yeah absolutely yeah television can never do justification for right. justifying stand-up. Well, Glenn, I know. Do you have a Do you have a website, Glenn? No. Do you have a Twitter handle? No. <laughs> I don't know how to do Twitter, so I have no idea. Right. I'm an old man, Darren. All right, you're on that. Facebook, so if people want to I'm get a hold of Glenn Ottaway, they can get a hold of him through Facebook. Yeah. And your theater is? It's called Class Act Dinner Theater. And when is the wrestling event? Because uh, we want to push that. wrestling event is the 25th of August. Okay. And uh, I can't remember what the main event is. That's fine, time. but I'm just saying, I, if you want to see this, yeah. One guy who's honored, who I, I have a man crush on, his name is Tyson Dukes, and he comes in from Windsor. Right. And he is a great, great wrestler. He's the one guy who nobody can understand why he was never signed. Well, I'm going to bring my kids to it. I'm serious. Good. I put it in my phone. I want to bring my kids to something like that, and it's sure. a perfect event. So. Well, mm -hmm. uh, get, the, get them some earplugs, because I'm sure there's going to be a couple ah, rowdies at ringside. Be, it's very, it is. Yeah. No, you know what? Do they you serve alcohol at this no. gig? No, you, you have don't to serve alcohol your gig. We do serve alcohol, yeah. Yeah. but you don't get the audience swearing. No, people no. aren't going to swear to see worst. a whole bunch of kids. Maybe one or two, and then the rest is no kids. But when people see a lot of kids there, they're not going to get that. I get, maybe that I just think that everyone's like me. He's got to learn these kids. He's going to learn these words somehow oh, or another. Dave, his bullshit. Yeah, that's not thanks, bullshit. Glenn. Thanks for thank coming you. by. Yeah, thank, thank you, for Glenn. It's fun. Putting the word rap in rape. This is anything goes with Darren Frost. And Dave Martin. Hey, this is Dave Hudson, and you're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius XM. Stripper's area. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Hey there, we are back from the break. This is Anything Goes for the week of uh, July 10th. July 10th, 2013. We just had uh, Glenn Ottaway in the studio. Yeah. You know what? It's sometimes whenever we have people in here, it, it sometimes it's a little while before they get to talk. Yeah, but because we were sort of uh, updating the first times that we sort of ran into Glenn yes. Holloway in the first place, um, I didn't get the chance to tell my uh, story about when uh, I was out on. I think my first 
Yeah, it would have been like 2007. Two, yeah, it must have been 2007. Um, I was on the road for the first time out west with uh, Glenn, and uh, we went to an IHOP. Now, they don't have IHOPs in Ontario. No. I don't know why they got run out of town or something like right. the Golden Griddle Posse or something like that. <laughs> they, um, and so uh, I was like, oh, man, this is exciting. I haven't seen an IHOP. So yeah, we go to yeah. the IHOP, and then, uh, then, then yeah. Glenn, Glenn goes uh, with me to the IHOP, and I think he gets up to go to the bathroom or something like that, and they bring like uh, they brought like a pot of coffee to your table. Yes. And and uh, so I'm having my coffee. I'm looking through the menu. And then the uh, waitress comes over and uh, she's like, uh, are you ready to take your order or uh, do you want to wait for your dad to come back? <laughs> you know, they're implying that Glenn's my dad. And uh, Glenn is uh, a, a very knowledgeable man of uh, a lot of uh, uh, sort of uh, sexual depravity. Yes. Uh, he, oh, yes. He, he knows his way around mm-hmm. uh, the, yes, the, the, the swinger scene. Yes. Uh, the porn scene. Yes. Uh, we didn't really get that get into, into that. Into yep. that um, but we uh, we could have. And uh, then there was that brief moment I was just like, oh, man, where would I be now if I had Glenn Ottaway as my dad? Yeah. I would probably be a lot more knowledgeable of things that I, <laughs> really that might come in handy. Well, it would be knowledgeable of a, a lot more uh, shit that... Um... Glenn taught me how to steal pay-per-view movies. Glenn uh, brought his Nintendo back in the 90s. Right. He, he always had something going on. So he was not, you know, killing time with Glenn wasn't just like boring. It was always... And I actually went to the... Uh, in Edmonton, the club used to be at the West Edmonton Mall and there was a water park there and you got in free because you were the comics. Of course, yeah. And I went to a water park with Glenn Ottaway. Now, Glenn is, you know, uh, to describe Glenn, Glenn is like a 250 pound. He's a big dude. Big I imagine dude. he's very, I haven't seen him shirtless, but I imagine he's a, a lot hairy, of hair, hairy lot shirtless of hair, guy. And he had a mohawk. Yeah. And a long, like a long mullety mohawk. Well, the, a mullet that went into a. a a mohawk a, a that mohawk. went into a mullet, a yeah. Mullet. And uh, literally, I got the line from watching Glenn go into the wave pool, and all these kids screamed and ran away. And I'm like, that's <laughs> where I got the line of I'm having more fun than a pedophile in a wave pool. It was from watching Glenn, and I did it that night in Edmonton, and it got a few laughs and a few groans. But it was like, that was, you know, it was an adventure. I Sometimes I, I think to myself, young comics are never going to have those same adventures like we did. Right. Um but they'll just have their own adventures. You know, I get it. You know, it's, it's generational. But the West was crazy back then. You could go for six weeks and really kind of lose yourself. I remember crying in a lobby at the Blackfoot Inn, like fucking saying, fuck these people. I'm going to drive home. Talking to a comic, you know, talking me off the bell tower. I mean, it was fucked up days. No, I... I... I don't. I don't really care to go back because, like I said, I mean, I, I'd like going to. back now is nine days or, or two weeks. Right. It's yeah. nothing like it used to be. Six weeks. Like I don't. You know, I don't do drugs or drink. I used to drink back then because you had to. It was like literally six weeks or five weeks. I remember the first trip was five weeks. And I had 17 days off. Well, sometimes, well, drinking back then, even if you didn't drink, sometimes you would just start. And, and, yeah. and what the only thing on your mind was like, this eventually will help me pass out. Yes. And if I pass out, then it'll be a, a long block of time yeah. before I wake up again. And and uh, But it seriously, in the boredom of being out west uh, sometimes was, uh, uh, I know there's a comic that has it, but there was one, di- one day where uh, uh, I literally just grabbed a pack of X-Lax and just said, you know what, I'm going to have a day of shitting. That's it. <laughs> I'm, this is all, that's all I'm gonna do because you didn't make a lot of money. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. just like, I'm gonna just Fuck stay it. in my I'm room. I'm my own adventure. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll, sure. I'll smoke a little pot. Did you seriously I'll... eat all the X-lax? What do, you, what do you mean all the X-lax? Did you have that? It wasn't like a, commu- a communal pile, but no, I no, there was like a little drugstore in the uh, in in the hotel, and yeah. I was just like. 
Ah, fuck. And I, I felt I my, got a day to kill. Uh, yeah. You got any x Lacks? Yeah, well, you couldn't really walk anywhere. There's only so many movies I could sneak into. And, uh, you know, there's only so much pot you could smoke. And I was just like, Dave, I'm going to have a day Jesus of shitting Christ. and, uh, and, and smoking Dave, pot. Yeah. Just get a rental car and drive somewhere. <laughs> I couldn't do that. I I was by myself. What I, it's hard to enjoy yourself on the road on your own. You kind of want someone to turn so to and go, hey, isn't this I want to shit for hours? Uh, it's not like I was like, oh, well, I didn't tell anyone that's what I was doing. I well, was just you like, just told me. Well, yes, because this is a fucking, this is an anecdote that I'm telling you, I, I wouldn't do that now. Well, we, now we have like, you know, the internet, internet to get lost on. Yeah, but you can you, watch someone then, else taking X-lax and shitting into a fucking cup. Well, you can, but there's nothing like going to seeing it live, especially <laughs> when it comes right out of you. I was having this conversation with someone but don't you think don't you react shocked to things that you were almost told to react shocked to for example like, well okay like do you remember you seeing your first like porn movie or something like sure. that and uh, like were you told not to watch it as a kid and that's why sort of like watching it was more like sneaky like oh hey look what I'm watching yeah Isn't I guess cool? I guess I just like I was I was telling this to someone because it still it reminds me of how um, just accepting I am, and, and some people might call it gullible, right. but uh, like how sort of like, oh, well, that's interesting. I'll mm -hmm. just go on with the rest of my life. Now I know that. But uh, I remember, though, because there was a kid that snuck a, uh, he uh, stole a Hustler magazine, and this is like grade five or the fifth grade for right. our friends in the United States. Um, oh, we have to give a shout out to Calgary and tell people the best of luck out there. Yes. Um, but um, I remember a kid, uh, he uh, snuck a, a Hustler magazine, and it was one of these Hustler magazines where they had a picture of a she-male in it. Right. And, uh, and he showed it to me. He was like, hey, look, there's a chick with a dick. Yeah. And, I, and at, you know, at that age, you know, I was like 12 or 11. Right. You, A, I, I, I just, you know, no one told you, you're not that aware of your body sexually. Sure. Yeah. So you don't really know that much about what females or other dudes look like. You hadn't seen a lot of shit at that age. And so I just remember seeing this photo and no one told me that that was weird. So I would just, I remember seeing this photo when I was in grade five and going like, oh, well, I guess some, uh, I guess some chicks have dicks. And I just walked <laughs> on with the rest of my life. And I didn't think it was weird until like a couple of years later. I was like, you were sitting what? in Calgary shitting into a toilet for me to too much X-lax. Holy shit. That was back weird back life? then. Yeah. No, no, no. I remember quick. It was a couple of years later that I, but I remember the first time I saw it uh, was like, uh, oh, well. Sure. Some chicks have dicks. It was like the first time I saw the word fuck written in a magazine. Right. I, for there was somewhere in my kid brain, I just thought that the only way that you could write fuck is like taking a pen and yes. writing it down on a piece of paper. Right. But you can't type that out. Yeah. Something about that word, you can't type it out. Yeah. And then the first time I saw it on a, on a page of paper, clip. I was like, oh, man, look, this is the word fuck. Oh, my God. Well, my kid won't. My kid is infatuated with the word fuck right now. He's five. Right. Actually six, sorry. He can't, can't stop. Which one is this? Uh, my son Austin, he's like, for the last couple of days, he's had to go to bed early. We're trying to tell him, you know, you got to stop saying it. And he's like, he's looking over my shoulder as I'm typing on Facebook. And he's like, oh, you're saying fuck. And I'm, I'm typing fuck. Now my Does wife is like. Does he tell you to capitalize it? Well, now my wife is like, you can't even type fuck in the house. I'm like, oh, come on. I can't type the word fuck because of my kids. Like, and then my nine-year-old's like, well, you know what? The bad words uh, are just going to bring a world full of hurt onto people who use bad words. That's what my kids said. Wow, well, I'm like, sit down. Where does he learn that? Daddy has to teach you a word called hypocrisy. That's all daddy has to do. <laughs> well, what, where does he learn that I from? I don't know. Like, does your wife not like say that oh, those are bad words and bad people that say those words go to bad places? I don't know. I, he's just really, the oldest is very adamant. Really? Is he going to be 
how how uh, it's weird. Re- how churchy is he getting? Um, you know, a little churchy. Yeah. Yeah. Is he gonna like turn? Like, is he gonna? He talks about Jesus, you know. Really? Yeah. And would you don't try to shake that out of him? Well, he asked me once, how come I don't go to church, and I said that's a, a discussion for when you're older. <laughs> Uh, a lot of shit, Daddy. Why do you just? Say. Why do you just? Say, why don't you just say oh, the church doesn't want your dad to show up? Because then, then he's gonna. Just, then he's gonna ask someone. Ask right? why? Yeah. And he's gonna find out, or he's gonna YouTube it, or something. Like my five, my six year old knows that I say the f words on my DVDs now. So he's always he's infatuated. Well, but what about so your older one isn't infatuated with, the, with your no, use of the word fuck? No, he's the exact opposite. He's like, I don't want to hear those words. I don't want to see. It. Like he's literally like, it's creepy on both sides. Well, someone must be telling him that those are... That you probably go to hell and, you know, you, those are bad things. And and then how does he feel about his dad going to hell? Well, you know, that's... Do you, do you, are you prepared to tell him that you... That's a bridge I'm going to have to burn. <laughs> are you prepared to tell him that you you only go to hell if you believe in it? I, I, don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. Or your daddy's been dumb for many years. You know, you know. That's a, that's a discussion when they're 14 or 15, I hope. But you haven't actually figured out how you're going to... I don't know how I'm going to do it. But there there could be a whole bunch of shit that they come across the, in the years coming up uh, to you having that let's discussion. Let's see if I'm even alive by the time they're 15. Oh. Well. You know, that's how I look at things now. If I'm alive, I'll deal with it. <laughs> well, that's a good attitude. Well, I mean, you know, you can't you can't spend your life worrying. I spent too much... I spend too much of my life worrying well, no, about I don't, shit and I, don't I, worry just, I, I can't i can't do it anymore. i don't worry about much of anything anymore no i just also i uh well no i i did have a birthday uh this uh about past week right and uh i still stick to my plan that if i if i make it to 50 you can have a roast for me right but uh we'll see we'll see how uh, well that turns out oh. um we had a uh are, are you uh anywhere coming up uh, in the next little while there uh, i am on the east coast uh in, uh, in uh july 19th and 20th and 21st i believe you tell okay. everyone where you are, Dave. Uh, I'm going to be in Vaughn this weekend with uh, Graham Chitton and uh, and uh, Hunter Collins, uh, two guys I enjoy very much. Yep. Both, uh, actually, Hunter hasn't been on the show, but uh, I'd like to have him on at some point. Um, but uh, Graham's been on. Graham's a funny guy. Uh, July, I'm hosting those shows, too. So July be... 19th, I'll be in Middleton, Nova Scotia. And July 20th, I will be in Charlottetown, PEI, uh, at the Rod Hotel. So for tickets or information, you can go to my Facebook page or my website. And then uh, after that, on the July 26th, myself and Kenny Robinson will be at City Limits in Cornwall, Ontario. Oh, my God. Uh, for an X-rated show. And my DVD comes out next month. Uh, been a bit of a problem in the editing stages of my DVD, so I've had to push it back by a month. So my fourth one will be coming out there. i gotta, I got to edit mine together before we go out, out east yes. at some point. And the, uh, oh, and if you're in the greater Toronto area on uh, August 3rd, a very rare appearance of the legendary Mr. Derek. Derek uh, Edwards. Uh, Derek Edwards is going to be yep. uh, on that show, and uh, Aaron Berg, and a whole bunch of other very, very funny comics. Uh, so it is always a uh, 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 partial proceeds going to the Toronto Humane Society. So come down the Dominion on Queen East End Comedy Review. I'll be hosting. So uh, check out that show. It should check be a lot of fun. Out. That and is the show. That is the show for this week. Next thank week, thank you to Glenn Ottaway. Thank you. And uh, next week, Paul Morrissey is going to be here. Ah. Comedian Paul Morrissey. All right. Well, uh, tune in next week. And uh, until next time, make sure uh, you don't have anything in your pockets because uh, you'll get some fucking uh, security oh, guard. Oh, fucking. Um, I don't even. I, I, that is it. I, you We're know, when I, when I was complaining about the place, I said he's some, some, some from Eastern European country. And then the, the country I gave the example was France. So there we go. That's it for this week. Anything Goes wants to thank Victoria for producing the show and George Westerholm for the music used. 
Follow the hosts on Twitter at Comedy Whore at Dave Martin World. Download new episodes every week on iTunes. Join the Facebook group and follow the show on Twitter at Anything Goes Hot. Anything Goes hopes you laugh, cry, and learn something. Come back next week. And until then, take it easy. Oh, that, oh, oh, you're saving. Now it's rolling? Okay, all right, all right. I, I wanted to do a second take anyways. I don't think that was, that was that good. Oh, you? I was, we'll say that I was practicing. Okay. Hey there, everybody. Thanks for, uh, for uh, listening to the uh, the podcast, the episode that you uh, could have heard on XM, but uh, <laughs> but uh, maybe you didn't. Maybe you're just listening to this on the podcast. That is cool. Um, but uh, here we are going to be thrown to the Michael Gelbart interview that we uh, did at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. And this is uh, recorded in Darren Frost's hotel room while we were in Winnipeg. It's uh, Darren, Kathleen McGee, and myself. We uh, sit down and chat with Michael Gelbart for a while, and uh, we have a very funny conversation. That's it. Get comfortable. Fonzie. Fonzie. <laughs> yeah, we're all good. We're ready? <clears throat> yes. Nice burp. Okay. I love Anything Goes, man. I listen sometimes. Do you? Sometimes. Well, yeah. I, yeah. When you post that this one's controversial or whatever, the last time I listened was one of you had announced that Christina had had sent a text message or called in yes. the middle of the night and said, I'm not going to be on the show anymore. That was yes. the last time I heard the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. A couple yeah, weeks ago. Quit, when I heard yeah. the famous Ron Vaudry show. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I listen sometimes whenever yeah. it's... Yeah, when you have time and something that's... And when I'm told. Yeah, when yeah. I, yeah. When I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> when I get eight messages from Dave when, Martin. Yeah, when the news feeds, you know, say, this one you can't miss. But we are, we are already into the interview. We're going to keep all that. And we are here Good. with... Uh, with Michael Gelbart as our guest, we're at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival in my hotel room with Kathleen McGee and Dave Martin. Hello, and comedy lovers. Hello, comedy <laughs> lovers. Gelby's Yay! been on the show before. He's my he, best uh, friend. He is. Uh, uh, we're uh, very close. Uh, uh, no, now I'm not a best friend anymore. No, no. Best friends are very close. And you're here at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. We're going to get into other things that you're, you're doing in your life, and we'll, we'll shoot the shit. But I, you know, uh, me and Gelby go way back. Uh, I still cannot believe... There's reasons I don't do galas. Let's just be honest, okay? At, yes. At comedy festivals, okay? And TV people are worried about what I do because I might go too far or upset people. And I think the same can be said for for Kathleen and for Dave. But if there's anyone well, that also, is built, I don't try very hard. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Maybe I didn't try very hard. If there's any no. comic that has been built for the eight-minute gala set, it's you. Yes. You are the bionic man of comedy for that. Oh, but, wow, I, and, I and, and I'm very, that. I'm very um, shamed, shamed, almost ashamed at our industry that, correct me if I'm wrong, this is your first ever comedy festival. My first comedy festival, In correct. Canada, or just in general? In general. Well, Canada's got the best comedy festivals. They do. So, so, and I'm not saying and that how many years have you I'm, been a stand-up comedian? Well, I, I, my amateur nights were when I was 17 years old. So oh. it's been and over like 20. Yeah, I'm like 55. <laughs> so it's been like, <laughs> I, I can't even do the math on it. It's been more than 20 years of comedy. Well, it has to be, man. I've been doing it 22 years. Yeah, so yeah, it's been more than that. Right. So yeah, I, I haven't done one, no. And, and 
Do you think it's because you moved to L.A.? No, no. I mean, I am the only Canadian comedian to have done a late-night talk show in the U.S. Right. Who hasn't done a festival. But I'm here. I'm at this one. No, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, no, no. But that's yeah. my point. It's like it's taken Winnipeg to be the one to do this for you. Are yes. You proactive about it could be a lot people? of things. I mean, when I was growing up, I didn't take comedy very seriously in those first. But do you ever though? Does anyone? Like, you know? I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, from you, and I don't mean that as a shot. I mean the business of it. You're like your, you know, your comedy. You know, you take serious in terms of your writing. But the, have you ever taken the business side serious? And maybe that's why you haven't done a festival. I, I, there, there are like five, six year stretches where I don't showcase for any. Right. So that's not good. Right. Uh, and you're not pumping hands and kissing babies with these people either because you live in L.A. and it's kind of hard, right? I suppose. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I when I lived here, I just wanted to move to Los Angeles. But then right. when I got to Los Angeles, I realized how much I wanted to do Canadian festivals. I always wanted to do, do JFL, especially since I was born in Montreal right, yeah. and raised there. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Sorry. You were born this, in Montreal. That's even crazy. even worse. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well... I, We're going to yeah. take this interview and, and send it to JFL. No, it's totally fine. Uh, there you have a great festival. And oh, no, no, no. I get what you're saying. Trust yeah. me. I know what you're saying. But it, I, I've I fallen through the cracks fine. like a kid who can't read that finishes high school. That's basic. <laughs> I just fell through the cracks right. is all. Right. But I'm the only Canadian stand-up who's done a late-night talk show in the U.S. who's not done a Canadian festival. That's crazy. But, yeah. I, yeah. But this well, changes everything. But I think it's change everything. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 And, and is this material new material for you? Yes, yes. They wanted like eight to ten right. minutes, uh, Mars and Venus, you know, man woman show, right? And uh, Which is that I hadn't done you. on TV. I hadn't done on TV, so I had I had three minutes that I considered TV ready that I've always wanted to do about that subject. So I had to go out and write like seven new minutes of right. relationship stuff. We, we you did a comedy now episode. Comedy now comics. Comedy. I, I was all thinking the, of the comics all the too. check marks, all the yeah. benchmarks. Yeah. I did all that. I did six bullards back in the wow. Yeah. The uh, but I think every comic has that sort of like that feeling that like the phone's just going to ring one day and then, hey Michael, everything's worked out. <laughs> all the papers are here. Everything's set everything. up. Well, a lot of the parts of my career, a lot of those b benchmarks that you want to achieve, I did achieve, but just for laughs, just kind of didn't happen. Right. Yeah. And I just the reason I'm shocked is because you're you're clean. Yes. Uh, you're not uh, offensive. You know, it's like I it just it doesn't it doesn't really. Uh, it I, could be a lot of things. Maybe it is something personal. You know, <laughs> let's be honest. When I was uh, when I was a kid, I started kind of young. I was an arrogant teenager and but you do know that you sometimes you come across arrogant like you know yourself even today not not no. today as, no, I, stage, as i matured into it I'm, ta I'm talking on stage yeah oh my character my st yeah. yeah is is an arrogant character at times uh, yeah a little bit yeah right, right definitely right. see that and would you problem, say smug i think i've used the word smug, smug before i think that's yeah. fair i but think it's for can i say stage? something about i've i the first time i ever worked with michael galbart was when we were in northern alberta and we did that really Worsley or something and then we did Grand Prairie the next day oh that was great times and he's, <laughs> he, I he loved had it. the best time of our lives I had such a great time with you and uh, the, the funniest part though was I've done about four shows in total with you like working with you and then I, I did that one in Caramello Camarillo, California, that one time. Yeah, oh yeah, that was. So, okay, this Are you going to tell that story? Yes, this okay, man go ahead. is so ch charming, but, <laughs> but uh, like, smug on stage. 
I've never seen more tits flashed than when I work with Michael Gelbart because you did it in Grand Prairie. That girl's boyfriend was sitting right there and you were like hanging out with this girl and he was like, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> it was hilarious. And oh, then, yeah. yeah. And then in Camarillo, <laughs> you got that girl to stand up and she flashed everyone. And my brother and my sister-in-law were at that show and they were like, that guy's hilarious. Yeah, that was good times. Yeah. Like, do you get a yeah, lot of Yeah, there was no smugness in, in those shows. <laughs> what? Do you get a lot of boobs in your face? Sometimes. Because, yeah. I enjoy well, it. How, nice... how do you ask for it? <laughs> now Dave wants yeah, to. Well, just, <laughs> this isn't so much an interview as a course for in, Dave. In Camarillo, Camarillo. Uh, that one, uh, the lady in the audience just wouldn't shut up. She was with very obnoxious women. Right. And they were, it's my birthday, or whatever, during jokes. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I didn't do, I only did crowd work for 45 minutes. There was no I think bit. it was like a bachelor party or something. Don't but uh, she wouldn't shut up. She was obnoxious, and she had clearly the fakest breasts of all time. Right. So I said, tonight, <laughs> when I'm closing my set, I'm closing, on, I, I'm closing my show tonight with you taking your top off. She goes, no, you're not. And I go, yes, I am. And she goes, no. And then when, when it got around 40 minutes, I said, okay, we're, we're almost done here. Okay, come on. Let's see them. And her friends were like, do it, do it. So, it yeah. sounds like I, I just have a vision of this woman going, no. Like she's taking her own top off, but that's fighting herself. Just, yeah. I'm not going to do, do it. No. I, I want to, but I'm so conflicted. Come on, this no. sounds like Dave Martin heaven. After oh. her friend said, do it, do it a few times, she finally did it yeah she finally did it and everyone it went so crazy funny Wait, and you weren't pissed at all like oh you fucked up my show i guess no, it wasn't no, a I, show that you'd be there like there was like under 50 people yeah and i did crowd work the entire people i don't well <laughs> it was yeah a small show. <laughs> i added people and you yeah. re- and you reduced <laughs> sorry and yeah. i added people to the away. audience yeah. and you took away all the stuff that happened with the woman which oh, is sorry. which no that's good but it is. It was. It was one of the funniest shows I've ever been a part. Of. That was great times. That was. Now, great. How, how long have you been living in L.A. now? Like uh, it will be exactly. It's exactly ten years since wow. I got my green card. Nice. Yeah, and before that, I used to go down yeah, for a month at a time. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I had debt in Canada, and I had I had no green card or no chance of getting one. I had to build all the credits up and all the newspaper articles and all that stuff, and I did it, and then I got in. So. Now, for you, you know, you did do uh, – was, was it Ferguson that you did? I did. You did Ferguson. What is the process? Like once you do it once, like everyone has always talked about how do you get it, right? But what's the process of getting it again? You know what I mean? Like how – what is that process? It's it's a weird thing. I mean I – Because I know you, you – That you night I well. was offered it again. You did you did very well. Yeah. Your, your set was, was a great set, a great TV set. I just want people to know that because we're going to talk about we're, 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 the reason I'm saying this is now we're going to talk about how hard it is to get a second time. It's not like because you didn't do well is what I'm yeah. saying. You did a great job. So go ahead. It's a it's a it's a question of the number of comedians in the world that have been promised spots. Right. The number of spots available. Right. And uh, and who's booking the show at the time. Sure. At that time, the guy who was booking the show was a fan I did very well on the show. He yeah. told me that night I would be back in like five or six months. By the time five or six months rolled around, there's a new person at the show right. Right. who isn't going to go, well, I'm going to honor everything the last guy said. <laughs> yeah. So he has his own people that he wants on the show. So you wait and you wait and you wait. And uh, then the, the original booker is now back on the show. So he contacted me to say we want you back. But then he said it will take around nine months. And then I heard from him again and he said – Craig's got a bunch of people that he wants on the show first. Of course. So it, 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 it's a very long process to get on one of these shows. Right. Yeah. Was, was Craig there the, when you yes. shot yours? Yes. I did it in the, 
I did it in ni- uh, no, 90. In 2005. Right. And he was there to shake your hand when your set was over. Right. But because he's so amazing at just talking about whatever he wants, they were running out of time and not getting to the comics. So now what they do is they pre-tape a bunch of comedians. I know. Right, yeah. 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 And he's not there. Yeah. And he's not there. Because so. <laughs> I've seen some guys at the, at the end of their set, they don't, they're just, like, because Mark Maron tells a story about him doing one, and uh, at the end of his set, he just didn't know where to walk, so he just kind of <laughs> shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> Where do I go? And he didn't. So, yeah, it's always curious if people, if he's there or not. I bet it's not as fun now because, you know, at the time I did it, you feel like you're part, you're, you're, you're part, part of, of that show. one hour show. of the yes. show. Yes. You're one of the guests. But now the warm-up guy, I'm sure he does the best job he can, but he says, okay, that was the show, everybody. Now, if you stay in your seats, we've got some people who are going to film some from, from, from stand-up now yeah. that will be on later. And it just doesn't, the drop from, it's the enthusiasm weird. drop has got to be right. huge. Yeah. And are you still loving L.A.? I don't know. Really? I, I mean, on, on a professional level, it's a different answer than a personal. What about a personal level? Are you still enjoying the, the LA? me I was, the me that you first met, who was like 20, right. that guy would have loved to live in Los Angeles. Sure. The me of today loves it when he's working and loves it less when he's not. Right. Yeah. If an amazing offer came from Canada, I'd live in Canada. I don't care where I live. I right. just want to work. How did you get a green card? Like. I uh, I had written the Gemini's three times, okay. and I had the comics and the comedy now, and all those things. Yeah. And uh, so I applied based on my professional and reputation. It was also pre nine eleven, right? I started the application process right around then, but I didn't get approved until oh three. Oh, okay. So okay, so it was post post nine eleven. Yeah, just because things really changed, like they really before that. I mean, it's a cliche. Before that, they weren't so strict on all the things and the loops and the, yeah, you know, yeah. the hoops they had to jump through. Now they're very strict. Yeah, yeah. they're very yeah. strict. But I submit to you that you won't have to necessarily be there, even though you're going to get in and everything's going to be fine, that you can have whatever success you're going to have is going to – you can upload anything and, and have the success you were going to have. Do you agree with that in any way? I th- well, I know. Yeah. I mean, I – but it's sort of being. But you want to be down there and to be a part of that scene yeah, too. Yeah, you want to be part of the scene. mecca. Right. That is, I just I right. like those comics that I met down there. I was having a great. I wrote a pilot with three comics. Like I didn't have. I didn't feel that in Toronto. Nobody was like, let's write something. Let's do something. Let's. Do something. It was just. It was more like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I don't get in my way. But in in LA, you I felt, felt fueled like, creatively. I felt like I was. It, I could be so creative. I've never thought that I could write a script before in my life, and I wrote one, and it was just like I just maybe it's just because everybody down there really wants it so bad, and there is a possibility of getting it there. Yes, there's no possibility of getting that. Well, I mean, there's possibilities, but you have to. Well, there's just there. fewer possibilities up like, here. Comics that go down for a month at a time, they forget about you after you leave as much as you try to get them not to forget about you like I went down in 2009 and I was doing well at the comedy store and then when I came back again they like none of the management was still there and it was new yeah people. the turnover is so uh, it's just like it's the quick stuff, yeah. whereas here you know the yucks guys you just call them up and you get, <laughs> you get some gigs going well there's nowhere but to there, go it's like, yeah. when I first got there and I was getting amazing spots yeah. at the Hollywood Improv every weekend meeting celebrities yeah. and posing for photos outside after the show and I thought this is the greatest thing yeah. ever and I thought I was fully in and then the next next week I sign up I get no spots and then 
few weeks later, I'm like, why am I not getting those spots? I thought I was in. And like, oh, so-and-so left, and now Bob Johnson's here. <laughs> yeah, he, doesn't he doesn't know, know you, you exist. And then you like, suck up to Bob Johnson for a little while. He starts giving you less spots, though. You know, he doesn't yeah. like you as much as the last guy. And then he goes, and the new person gives you nothing. And, yeah, it keeps changing. Yeah, it is crazy. Now, you writ, uh, you wrote a book the last time you heard called The Other Oprah. The Other Oprahs, right? yeah. And uh, since then, you've written a movie? Yeah, I wrote a new movie that I finished at the end of February, and we're going to make it in Canada Okay. Uh, for a budget of like a million dollars. We're right. going to the Northern Ontario Heritage Fund to get a portion of our budget. So you'll be filming in Sudbury? <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's part of the the situation, right? To get the money, you got to film up there, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. We haven't gone to Northern Ontario Heritage Fund, but that's coming up soon. Right. And uh, we're going to, you know, we're approaching some cast. I, I've been thinking in terms of budget now. So I, show, I, I wrote a movie in one location with like eight speaking roles, all of it indoors. Right. Whereas when I was much younger, I'd and write did movies. Did you call it The Evil Dead? Or no, I didn't. I definitely <laughs> didn't call it that. It's a, it's a comedy, and I wrote I wrote myself a very large role. So I'll be a producer. I'll be acting in it, and I wrote it and right. uh, got a director in Toronto. And uh, we're approaching other cast members now. That's exciting. I'll do it if you need um, like a chunky, sassy girl. I know you know what's, what's, <laughs> He's like, I don't the, need the that. female leads, chunky and sassy. Hello, I'm here. Put me in it. We're thinking of Melissa McCarthy. Uh, I no, no, no. That our entire budget. Yeah, you couldn't yeah, afford. We could not afford her for an hour. You could definitely afford Kathleen McGee. <laughs> yeah. the, give me, give me some microwave popcorn. It's funny though. That, <laughs> in a hotel room. Yes. After a while, when you when you do see like uh, after you sort of working in, in movies for a bit, you just sort of realize. It's like, oh, wait a minute, they, they shot a movie in a parking garage because they needed one set. They can shoot any hour of the day. Like, there was that horror movie P2 that came out, and it, like, all took place in, like, a parking lot. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And I was just like, oh, man, well, then why did they do that? And, oh, right now I Everything's budget. Cheaper, yeah. Everything's because of budget. When I used to, when I started writing movies, I was, like, really ambitious. I'll, wherever my mind takes me, I'll write. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone now, it's me, wherever my mind takes thing. me to this one venue yeah, yeah, for my, 90 minutes. Yeah, my mind takes me to this one bathroom for <laughs> two hours. Well, yeah, I know. There was, like, a guy, uh, one of the producers of uh, the sketch show in uh, that they shot in Toronto. There was, like, Comedy Inkers. And uh, he was telling me, because uh, I would handed some sketches and he would be like yeah can you more write more sketches that uh, happen in a hallway with like <laughs> furniture we don't need anything just an empty room more sketches in an empty room just a bathtub yeah My yeah apartment. i once wrote a movie that the whole movie it was a road movie where a guy and girl are on the road they fall in love yeah and the car breaks all that all that stuff right, right? and they get <laughs> to a d destination and someone read the script and they're like can you rewrite it so the entire movie takes place at the destination <laughs> in the last 10 minutes of the movie? And I'm like, a road movie with yeah. one location. Yeah, yeah. So there'd be no road and the whole thing takes place there. Yeah. Like, that's a huge rewrite. Yeah. And we have someone who looks like Melissa McCarthy, but it doesn't cost that much. Yeah. And there you go. I'm right here. Uh, there We're we both go. adorable. <laughs> Uh, what shows are you doing here while you're uh, at this, the fest? This the vest? Yeah. We got uh, <laughs> Mars and Venus. Right. The uh, That's a gala. My first gala of my whole yeah. life. I bought a suit. I bought, I've never worn a suit on television before. It's scary. Why like... were you wearing a suit? I thought... Last time I, I saw see, you... you know, I'm a grown man now. I yeah. want to see if I can yeah. be a comedian who wears a tie suit. Tie or no tie? No tie. Oh, okay. I couldn't do it. Okay, no, I yeah. think you'd look bad. I don't want to all of a sudden turn queer here. And I, this is what I think you should do. But, yeah, a, no tie, that, that's that's your character. Okay. I just don't, I just don't see like... your character with a tie. Yeah, I, I agree with that. My grandpa would say, I don't want to turn queer. Turn I don't want to turn into yeah, the yeah, homo No, we already now. talked about the breasts and stuff like that. So yeah. we're not. 
No yeah. one's I'm doing but my just... first gala too, and I like had so much trouble picking stuff out because they send you a list. They're like, you wear can't have patterns, you can't have this, you can't wear all black. And I'm like, but I only wear patterns in all black, so I had to like shop. I took a picture from the store and I emailed it to them while and I was still like, in the Fuck store. You're professional. I got a pic. I got a, I got approval from the director while I was still in the clothing Jeez. store. Jeez, do that shit. But I brought a bunch of options. Yeah, I just want to see if I can be a comedian. Wears a suit. You know? I'm going to wear a dress, which I find. Uh, Sometimes I find female comedians like, why are you wearing a dress? Well, I, I like to wear dresses. I, I, last time I think I saw you at the club, you had like uh, the hoodie and the tie. I was about to, uh, oh, yeah. The hoodie me. and the tie? I, hoodie I and was, a tie? It was not a hoodie and a tie. I think, I believe was it was. my favorite 80s sitcom, Hoodie and the Tie. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like a, uh, yeah. Michael like J. Fox a, sounds like a hoodie. Sounds like a Disney, and, a Disney road movie. Yeah. Yeah. Hoodie and the tie. Yeah. yeah. Like they travel. The sequel to Turner Hooch when they couldn't afford Tom Hanks or the <laughs> yeah. dog. Hoodie in the tie and the apple dumpling gang. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I didn't have a hoodie in a tie. I think I had a. I had something very casual in a tie. Yeah, it I, wasn't good. I don't I know. I think it might have been a hoodie and a tie. But I, I, I did want to talk I about I had this. a hoodie and a tie on last night. I support I, it. I want to talk about this hoodie thing for a second. <laughs> because you know, when I started at 17, you think you're too young. Like you, I look like a kid. Yeah. So I wore a suit as a kid comedian. I remember that. Right. Yeah, I then, it did age you a little for sure. Yeah. Then now then you start getting in your late 30s and you're like, oh my God, I'm old. So you're like, I got to get, get a hoodie like the kids. Hoodie and some, yeah. and some cool sneakers. I don't know. I was about to slam other. Me and the super old guy are young now. Yeah. You're, you're gonna get. Be, yeah, I was gonna name. You're gonna something. get red pants like Dave Merhage, and you're gonna wear them around. You know, I didn't want to be one of those comics who gets old and like he's wearing the hoodie and stuff. I was, well, yeah, yeah, I know that. Like Dave does. Dave yeah. Does no, mind. no. Uh, uh, yeah, Dave wears a lot of hoodies. I got a hoodie on right now. Yeah. I love hoodies, but yeah. I wanted to see if I wear a suit as a grown up. You know. But I'll still wear hoodies. Oh, sure. I don't think I'll wear a hoodie and a tie again. Hoodie and a tie. That's going to bad about it. That's going to come back to haunt you no, five I, years later. I support it. I support the hoodie and the tie. But, I mean, You've worn a suit on stage, right? Well, I, no, I started off wearing a suit, but then I was like, then I would look at my uh, my act, and I was just like, if your act doesn't reflect uh, a suit, then I it's kind of it felt weird for me to wear one. And then and then someone said, uh, oh, that's good because then you'll come across as the guy that that wears the suit. And uh, then I was like, oh, I don't want to be the guy that wears the suit. No, I, no. You know, you kind of, then you want to be recognized for your material. And then, but I, uh, like sometimes like guys like Wilmot, who's like Wilmot, who's super dirty. Yeah. And he, well, actually he used to wear a suit all the time. He used to wear it all the time. But did he stop? I like, I yeah. like that. Not. I liked Mike because I associate that with my beginnings of comedy. Right. I see Mike Wilmot, yeah. he'd be in a suit. And, uh. To me, it was like those 50s. Yeah, the, the throwback. Yeah, it was a throwback yeah. to when you'd play burlesque clubs and stuff like yes. that. Yes, right, yeah. And the dirty comic would come out in a suit and would look, you know, dressed to the nines yeah. and say horrible things, you know? Maybe yeah. that's why I like to wear dresses because I feel like I can get away with more things if I'm dressed like a pretty lady. <laughs> I just wear whatever doesn't win to me when I walk around the stage. That's all I have. Yeah, I think it was because you were saying if, they, if I seem pompous on stage, I think I made a conscious decision at one point to look more like like everyone else in the right. in the room and be pals with everyone. Yeah. But uh I think I could pull off the suit as long as there's no tie for the character cuz Fonzie doesn't wear ties. <laughs> <laughs> even that's what he calls me. Uh, even when Yeah. even when uh he became a teacher he'd wear a jeans and a beige sports jacket. Of yep. course. Yeah. Yes, you're well, right. Well with the elbow patches too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those what was what was years. Fonzie's uh, did show where he was a teacher? The school of hard knocks. After Richie left the show. Right. 
Fonzie became an auto mechanic yes. teacher, auto repair teacher at Jefferson High School. Hilarious. Oh, man, I don't even... And like, yeah, fucking four, four Galby seasons. knows all that shit from that era of television. Oh, yeah. All the happy oh, yeah. days and Anything, stuff. Oh, yeah. my childhood. Anything Family when, ties. If it happened at 10 or 12 years yeah. of age, Hoodie that's Hoodie and the tie. Yeah. Hoodie and the tie. There was one yeah. episode where a hoodie... If you got a season of <laughs> MASH and threw in a room and Brent Piaskowski and Gelbart walked in, only one would come out alive, I no, think. No, no, he'd be... Uh, MASH is a little bit before... MASH was kind of serious. Yeah, and it uh, it predates my level of interest in such. What things. was your oh, okay. favorite TV show growing up? Like he said, I, I like time. Happy I Days, Family Ties. Family Ties was perfect. Yeah. That was yeah. the show for that me. That was for me too. Yeah, no, I, I, once, I once dressed up as Alex P. P. Keaton like, <laughs> for Halloween or something. Yeah. Like when I was thirteen, I did last year. I just shook a lot. <laughs> oh man! Come, Come on. on, I had to. The, uh, no, you didn't have to, you did but not you have could. To. I have to. You can. You can. I can. Yeah. I can. Yeah, you That's can. That's the name of my next DVD. I yeah. can. I can. Yeah, you don't have to. Hootie in the time. But you can. You used to be Michael J. Fox. Teenie maker. That's what you were doing. That's right. Yeah. The but uh, like but when you came home from like school, like is that when like like Three's Company was on in the afternoon? Three's and, Company like, was the later. No, yeah. Oh yeah. Reruns of those shows. Reruns, and then they had like the actual eighty sitcoms that I would watch too. Yes. Yes. And yeah. then you, yeah, you could either watch the reruns, the great episodes, right, uh, or you could watch the last <laughs> seasons. In you know they were still in their last seasons. Well, yeah, so, no, I remember so you'd watch less good episodes in first run. Well, I remember for a while that you could like watch. Uh, what was the oh three's a crowd yeah. was like the, then you, three's company was on in the afternoon and then like uh, and then three's a crowd for the that Ropers. one season yeah. three's was a crowd on. was uh, 1984 85 season I yeah, think. yeah. <laughs> I loved the three's company I loved like there'd always be a battle in my house between three's company or wheel of fortune and I always lost but I loved three's company and now I think if I watched it now I would just love it more because I had no idea what gay was I just <laughs> love I just thought that he was handsome and I loved that he fell all the time like that was I was like seven or something when that was out when uh I met John Ritter and Henry Winkler and got a picture of Shut them up. together so cool. all of us yeah it's on it's on my Facebook and how did you pull that off the, uh, it was 2002 up? I think <laughs> I was uh, I, yeah. Yeah, Grandpa doesn't have Michael a, Grandpa show. stories don't start with 2002, do they? They will one day. They yeah. will one day. Yeah, for sure they will. Yeah. Uh, when uh, it was 2002, the president was uh, was uh, who was the president? Well, George Bush. George Bush was oh, president George back w. then. Movies yeah. were 975. <laughs> Popcorn was eight dollars, or you, you could up. You could buy the larger one for nine. Blockbuster <laughs> still had uh, day late charges. How much was gas? Gas was actually probably way less expensive oh, yeah. back then. Oh, sure. Fuck yeah. Two dollars and seventeen cents. A gallon. Or gallon. ninety-four cents I got, depending where you live. I got to, were you a fan of MASH? I got into an argument with Tracy Ryder, the oh, CBC yeah. producer, last night. because uh, she loves MASH. She thought it was one of the would best written shows. And I, I I've always hated MASH. I like After MASH better. That was the show. <laughs> that was it. We couldn't remember. Where they would all just talk about After Mash? Mash. No. There's also a pilot called Walter, uh, where Radar has his own show and yeah. he's a cop in some city. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a radar pilot which I saw clips of online. It's awful. It did not get picked up. Because I, I just remember watching MASH when I was a kid, and they would have a laugh track on it. And I remember just wa like they would be outdoors, and I would be like, "Where's that audience?" And I immediately just wrote that show, show off as bullshit because I knew that well, there's not a live audience there. And for some reason, that laugh track drove me crazy, and I was against the entire show. Yeah, and then the operating room stuff in the OR, right. they never used the laugh track. They right. decided that. 
Even if we say hilarious respect. things. Yeah, out yeah. of respect. No. Well, yeah, I, out of I respect, still... our studio audience isn't going <laughs> to laugh now. That doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Also, I remember watching Smith & Smith's Comedy Mill. Do you remember that? That was like that awful Steve Smith show and wait, wait, that he did with his wife. Remember that one? And uh, uh, I remember you can hear, hear the canned laughter, but I didn't know it was a can, a canned laughter. I just remember, oh, I can't wait until I'm older and I understand this. And, and it was just shitty. So oh, no. It was, it. Yeah, I still yeah, don't yeah, get yeah. it. The jokes are terrible. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But are there things that you watch when you were a kid that you – because the Ghostbusters to me, I loved that movie. But now that I watch it, I'm like, this movie's so funny. But I just... Oh, okay. Like, I was oh, worried about what you were yeah. going to say there. No, no. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's like one of the funniest movies ever. Good, Bill good. Bill Murray good. is like genius level funny in that movie. He's yes. Just, just the best. But are there movies that like you watched when you were a kid and then you watch them later as an adult and you totally get it? Yeah, there's st- there's some that I totally get, and then there's some that obviously don't hold up. Where you, it's or more you, that for me. Yeah. Most yeah. don't hold up. Yeah. Where you loved it as a kid, and then you, wa- I still end up liking it because yeah. I loved it once, but right. they're not good. You know, comedy's no, like- Short Circuit Two was the best movie ever. <laughs> I saw Police Academy was on TV the other day. Oh yeah, how was that? I remember I loved it, and uh, then I watched it like a, a, a day or two ago, and I was like, oh man, this is really bad. I still love them, <laughs> but yeah, you watch those movies from the '80s, and you're like. This was like when you were a kid, you're like, oh, look at all the fashion. Like, this, these guys look great. And now you watch them, you're like, whoa. The, uh, the thing I noticed from the 80s is uh, everyone, every male lead was written to be played by Bill Murray. Like, well, Steve uh, Gutenberg. The, uh, no, Steve well, Gutenberg was, was doing Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Okay, yeah, I get it, yeah. Every, every yes. male lead, like the, the Mahoney character was written as the Bill Murray character. Yes. Right. And pretty much every 80s movie... They went to Bill Murray, got turned down, and then they hired someone to pretend to be Bill Murray. Yes. Yeah. The biggest, uh, the best example is Moving Violations, oh. where Bill Murray's brother plays Bill Murray. Yeah. He Ryan does Doyle the Bill Murray. Murray uh, no, another one named John Murray. Okay. Uh, there's Joel Murray, who's on Mad Men, but there's another one named John Murray, who was the lead in this. And Brian Doyle Murphy is in uh, uh, Murray is in Moving Violations too, isn't he? Is he? I think so. Well, I, I know the male lead in that is is the the Bill Murray esque character that makes the big uh, "it just doesn't matter" type speech. There's always one of those yeah. speeches too, and uh, he makes that speech in the movie. Was it over when you know that kind of thing? Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> so he makes the speech. Well, yeah, they all have to. Or I, I mean, I, I love the classic. We got to save the ski school. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was yeah. like, oh <laughs> man, I they're going to close school. down old old man Rutherford's ski school. We got to <laughs> save it. But all of those movies, that was the development. I mean, obviously, you, you develop your comedy persona at some point. Right. And I was watching those movies as a kid, being going like, I want to be the lead in those movies. I want to play the Bill Murray-like character. I wanted to marry Tom Hanks because I love Big and Splash so much. Yeah, you remember the, that movie Summer School. Do you remember that movie? with yeah, Mark Harmon was doing school. Bill Murray in that, too. Right, yeah. yeah. Summer I could see you in a great. summer school. But then, but then there great. was a clear break for some reason. <laughs> then it became almost like a, a John Cusack uh, kind of level of all the movies. Because at one time, he was all that kind of architect of what they wanted in those kind of movies. And there was all those similar roles like Sure Thing and Gross Anatomy. and Yeah, the Bill Murray character fell out of favor. It's a... Yeah. Uh, even though he was great at it, I'd still love to see him do that. He's not going to play that guy anymore. But that was the quintessential 80s male lead. And it... They don't make movies with that character anymore. Do you think they should reboot Ghostbusters or do a part three? I don't want there to be a Ghostbusters three. Right. Uh, if Bill Murray doesn't do it, uh, I don't want there to be. Yeah. If he does do it, I still kind of don't want right. there to be. Yeah. 
But I just don't think you can go back. Like you just leave it alone. Go. You just can't move backwards like that. I'm a f- huge fan of all those actors. And yeah. Dan Aykroyd, I'll always love and respect. Sure. And uh, I love all that stuff he did in the '80s. But to me, when he talks about rebooting Ghostbusters, or when he did. Uh, the Blues Brothers 2000 was just sacrilege. Yeah, to me. and that should yeah. have been, and that should have been, that should have taught him something. Right. Yeah. But I'd like to see Dan Aykroyd if he was interested. If he's not interested, go and do what you want. Sell Crystal Head vodka. I I think it's a cool bottle. Yeah. I would own one yeah, yeah, just yeah. for the I bottle. Yeah. And I love what he does. If, if I'd love to see him make a. You know, a lower budget movie that doesn't have to be a brand or a franchise. Yeah. Because when you keep uh, championing this idea, you sound like a high school football player who's still talking about the big game. Yeah. Yeah, that one catch that they didn't make. We got to do it again. Yeah. It, or the it amazing seems, play. Yeah. You, you, I don't the want. the good old days. Yeah. It, it, with, I just don't want them it to continue. Kind of, in a sad way. That it's just like, you know that he could do something cool. Like, he could do a cool little indie movie where he does a. Totally well, I mean, things. he did try. I mean, Driving Miss Daisy and a couple other things. He did have. Yeah, he, he's roles. a great. He's yeah. great in supporting roles in yes. dramas and stuff like that. But in terms of the his big budget movie franchises, yeah. I I wish I hope he doesn't. They don't do this. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Armed and Dangerous again. I don't like. There's like some John Candy well, movies that? that that was the John Candy uh, Eugene, Eugene Levy, Levy movie, movie which was originally oh. written for Ackroyd Belushi. There yes. was a bunch of movies that came out before, let's say, 1986. Yeah. that were supposed to star Belushi and Ackroyd that didn't. I remember right. that movie. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw it in the theater too. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that one. It's, you know, when they uh, where they're on the the bridge, mm-hmm. and then the guy has to, and he doesn't hijack it, but then that the uh, the tanker truck, you know, just plows through and. That was a fun movie. That was August 1986, the release of that movie. This is a walkthrough memory. But I don't don't saw that at the Promenade Mall. The Promenade Mall. In Thornhill. And jobs at (laughs) drive-ins. That's what that was. But I don't. I don't think I could sit through like summer rental again. Just say, but I did. I watched it on right. Netflix like a month ago. How I, was that's it? Why I, love right? I didn't love it. All those old movies. I didn't love. <laughs> I didn't love it. It's still. It's, it's still okay. It's, it's fun for nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's the premise I think of every comedy movie is we got to raise some money or we got to the raising the money or we got to save. Some summer rental was not about that. Summer no, rental. but they had, to, they had to win that race. Yeah, they had to win that race. <laughs> you yeah. got to win the race. Yeah. That's a common thing. And, they had to put, and the montage of them putting the boat back together. Yes. I yes. can win that race. Yes. Well, Michael Gelbart, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Are you a Twitter guy? Twitter at Michael Gelbart. Okay. It's, should I spell it? Yes. No. Yes. M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-E-L-B-A-R-T. <laughs> Why don't you just go Gelby? I would have thought you were in Gelby. Oh, no one's got Gelby. Let's talk about that for a second. Gelby, I thought I don't it was like some Lord name. of the Rings character. You don't like you're that a, name? Here's the, yeah, this is the thing about the name Gelby. I thought you made Gelby. it up. This is the thing. Because, you know, I started so young, and like you said, I was you know my persona is kind of pompous, but the real-life guy is not like that. And I wanted <laughs> to be liked by the comedians. And when I made up Gelby, I actually hot said it for the first time, but I started using it more often. And then, Which is weird. It's hard you, shouldn't, to, you shouldn't start to kickstart your own nickname, but keep going, Gelby. But it, it took off. And, well, uh, that's your nickname. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no getting around and, that. And, uh, you know, it's hard, Frosty, not to like, it's, it's hard not to like a guy named Gelby. You can dislike <laughs> a guy named Michael Gelbart, you right. know. But Gelby, everyone likes a guy named Gelby. Yeah, like you know? Frosty. But no one's going to hate Frosty. At, at 15 or, no, at 17 or 25, Gelby was all right. But later in life, you don't want to be Gelby your whole life. It feels like 
you know, Urkel? the Feels beaver, like beaver cleaver reunion well, where they're still calling him Beaver and he's in his forties. Well, it's, it's sort of like you know, if you like a like a ten year old kid named Hank, you know, yeah, it's like that. You got to grow into a name like that. Like a Hank should be like a fifty year old guy's name. Yeah, but I'm, I'm always going to be Galby to some people, yeah. and yeah, I just have always going to be. Galby I just to have me. to be. Okay with that, you yeah. know? I actually wrote a song, You'll Always Be Gelby for Me. That's a that's a ballad, right? Yeah, we better be, get yeah. back to talking about boobs really quick. <laughs> uh, okay, so, and do you have a website or no? Yes, michaelgelbart.com. Should be Gelby. Gelby.com. I'm going to register that. Yeah, I'm uh, going to send it to some like weird porn site. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, michaelgelbart.com, at michaelgelbart, that kind of thing. All right, that was the Michael Gelbart interview that we did at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. Uh, thank you guys again uh, for uh, listening to the podcast, and uh, stay tuned next week, uh, and uh, there'll be more uh, bonus material on the uh, podcast. So, uh, yeah, listen up for next week's show. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs>